Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to episode four of Back in the Lifeboat, a podcast where we watch and recap every episode of the series Timeless. I'm Helen, and I'm here with my co-host, Heather. Hi, guys. And today we're covering season one, episode four, Party at Castle Valar. Uh, if this is the first time you're joining us, welcome. We're so glad you can join us. And here's what we do. We're going to start with a brief overview of the episode, and then we're just going to really dive into it. And I mean, dive into it. Um, and of course, we always have our history minute, which is usually longer than a minute, but we're still calling it history minute. And we'll just talk about what really happened. Um, not so much today about uh, the event, but more about the person that the time team meet. Uh, and yeah, at the end, we'll just give us our overall thoughts. And Heather is going to go into what she thinks is going to happen next. Yeah, uh, a few theories come from this episode. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, I am very excited about this episode. Um, I have feelings, so many feelings. Anyway, before we get into this, um, uh, last time we we asked you a question, which was, you think it's right to do a bad thing for the right reasons? And basically the results between Twitter and Instagram were very much 50-50. So, but I guess it makes sense because I think we can agree that it really depends on. Yeah, it depends on the situation. Because like last week's with Anthony's, we don't know his motivation. Whereas with Judith's, we know that she was trying to protect herself. And that's part of the reason she went with Flynn. So, Flynn, so. definitely depends on the situation. Yeah, definitely depends on the action, depends on the reasons. So. Mm -hmm. so yeah, that was a fun one. Thank you for everybody who answers and uh we'll ask you another question at the end of this episode a little less uh high stakes uh but without further ado let's get back in the lifeboat uh, so today's episode as i said is party at castle valar uh i went on rotten tomatoes and got the episode description which is Lucy, Wyatt, and Rufus find themselves in Germany in the midst of World War II, where they must race to stop Flynn and end his psychotic crusade. Uh, the team meets with uh, meets one of literature's most popular figures. Okay, psychotic crusade, that, that's a choice of word there. Um, yeah, I think she calls him... I don't think she calls him psychotic during her oh, talk actually, with him I, when they're in the party, but she calls him something close if it's not psychotic. I think she did. She calls him something like that. Because I think, yeah, I think she, she kind of said like something snaps like, at him. Yeah, she says something about his psychotic delusion or something like that. Yeah, like that. I think she might actually use the word, yeah. Not so maybe that's where it comes from. Uh, so it originally aired on October 24th, 2016. So again, every week so far, we're only on episode four. And I think there's a break between this one and the next it's either that or between episode five and six. I noticed one. Uh, this episode was written by Jim Barnes, which is the first of three episodes. Uh, he was he's gonna write for Timeless. Um, and actually, he was both a writer and a producer on Timeless. So producer for most of season one, 
uh, supervising producer for basically all of season two. So he got a little uh, promotion. Because like I went and looked at the hierarchy and it goes like producer, supervising producer, and then executive producer. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he also worked on like The Walking Dead, uh, Gotham, and Revolution. So I worked with Kripke That's still on my before. list to watch. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. I'm. I remember mostly the beginning of it. Um. I think it it didn't really have an end. It went for two seasons, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it just got canceled. And as far as I remember, but again, it's been it's been a minute. Um, it didn't really. It was like a very open ended. Like might have even been a cliffhanger type of end. Oh, I might not um, watch it then. Those irritate the ever loving crap out of me. <laughs> There's, so uh when Longmire was originally canceled I was so annoyed because one of the main characters is in danger at the very end of this cliffhanger and it's uh. just a huge cliffhanger and then Netflix picked it back up and I didn't like how they ended it I was just like okay I'm done with this I didn't watch any more of it and I love Longmire but uh yeah it, I'm not a big fan of the cliffhanger endings when they don't go back and like wrap it up somehow let me reassure you, this won't happen here. It does, season two does <laughs> end on a promised me that. Yeah. <laughs> season two does end on a cliffhanger, but then they wrapped it up nicely in a tight, neat, neat little bow in the movie, yeah. and that's all I will say about that. I feel like that should be like, you know, like film law. Like it should be in like every contract. If they have to end on a cliffhanger, some small little wrap-up movie has to happen after. <laughs> Like, they all they all need a serenity to their firefly. Yes, agreed. Like one hundred percent agree. Even if it's just like one extra, like episode. I I even argue half an episode, but something to just wrap it up. A comic book. I would be okay with a graphic novel. I really would. I just need some kind of like wrap up. I need some <laughs> I kind of closure. Cliffhanger ending. Yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot if this one like revolution was really a cliffhanger or just like open ended. Uh, but as far as I remember, it doesn't have like a neat little ending. Not everything is answered. Um, yeah, it's still it's still a, at least season one was a really good show, I think. Mm-hmm. And also like young Tracy Spiridakos yeah. was precious. I love it. She was good. Like I think she was in her twenties, even like because I'm not, sure, I'm not 20s. sure how old she is. Yeah. Um. She's at least in her 30s now. But. Yeah, i pretty sure she was in her early 20s. I'm going to try to Google that, like, as fast as I can. Yeah. No, I know, like, so I'm going to keep going on our episode, but, like, it's uh, the this one was directed by Billy Gerhardt, and he uh, was actually a Steadicam operator first for the television series Pacific Blue, which I remember that. I remember somewhat, that. Like, airing. Yeah, I don't really remember watching it, like, too much and then huff swing town and the shield uh and yeah, he she started was... directing on um yeah no but tracy i think she yeah, yeah. she was probably in her early 20s because i'd say she's in her like mid 30s right now and yeah. it was a little over 10 years ago but she was already like really good yeah 
Uh, and then Billy Gearhart, he also was director on Sons of Anarchy, which that is a good show that ended well. It's on I mean, my it list. It didn't end like happy, but it did like, end well. I'm not surprised. It, it, like I, I've never watched it, but I've kind of seen like more like glimpses of it. Yeah. It does not look like the kind of show that ends happily. No, but it's good. Like it's... um. It was planned to end that way, I think, from what I remember. So, like, hmm. yes, it was, like, it's a very violent and brutal show. FX, like, let them go all out. But um, I think they ended it when they did, before it could, like, go too long, go too bad. Like, you know, characters having to start leaving, stuff like that. But also, like, I think that's how they always wanted to end it. That's good. So, I mean, that's always it, nice. It's a pretty um, brave choice, I think, to decide to end a show when it's meant to end. Yeah. Um, rather than, yeah. yeah, we're still getting the numbers, so we're just going to keep keep adding it. And sometimes it works out, and sometimes it kind of backfires. Uh, yeah. So there's definitely something to be said uh, for shows that make that choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, one thing I um I found when I was looking up um Billy Gearhart um is that he actually worked with uh two of the actors in this episode. So he walked on uh, Once Upon a Time, and we'll see that we have a very familiar face from that show here in the person of mm-hmm. Sean Maguire. Uh, and he also worked on Rectify, which starred Abigail Spencer, which I haven't watched that show. It's again on my list, but too many shows, too little time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, most recently he's a co-executive produ- producer on SWAT, which is another one on my list. I started watching uh, it. I haven't finished past uh, season two or three, I think. SWAT is the one with Shemar Moore, right? Yes. I always mess up SWAT and SEAL team. Yeah, still teams the one with David Boreanaz, the one yeah. um, uh, Max was on from Fire Country. Exterior, yeah. Which, like, knowing what they did to his character, <laughs> which, like, I'm yeah, very I mean, happy that he's you're... on Fire Country now, but... Yeah. Oh, that hurt. Yeah. Which, I mean... You know he has to leave, so, like... And I feel like I can, like, be like, okay, the actor had to go somewhere else. I can be okay with that. <laughs> Like, yeah, but it, even if it wasn't like a happy ending. No, but and there's also I mean again, like it's it's from glimpse uh, of it and like tweets of it. Uh mm-hmm. from what I understand, spoiler alert for Seal Team, uh, if you're planning on watching it. But so his character kind of dies sort of random not randomly, but he's like shot down. And I don't think it's mm-hmm. in the middle of a case. It's like at the end and is it something random or is it from like the bad guy of the episode? I don't know. I haven't watched episode. that, I don't that know. part. Yeah. I don't no, know. There's I a couple mind... shows that do that and it's always like brutal to watch because like you weren't expecting it. But yeah, it was like very much at the end of the episode. and It seemed like everything was wrapped up. And to me, mm-hmm. I think I. No, I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything because I really don't know it. So um yeah yeah um, i'm excited for fire country to come back though i went i went on a vacation this week and i was in like 
central Washington area, which is Pacific Northwest. They film in Vancouver, like three hours north. Mm-hmm. And it's gorgeous. It's just like beautiful countryside. And there's like this teeny tiny little town that, I mean, if you put Smokies at one end, it was Edgewater. And it was, I was like, I just want fire country back on <laughs> and Bodie to be out of jail. I'm, I'm very curious about, yeah, what they're going to do in that premiere, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was one of the few people I think that liked how that episode ended. <laughs> I, thought, me, I think it sets up interesting things. Well, for me, here's the thing. Um, Hi, Logan. Hi, Kim from Ladies Night. Uh, we're still in your uh, show's <laughs> theme for a second. Sorry. Um, here's the thing. Like, I I think if... My my concern is that Bodhi is going to stay in um, Three Rock for, like, another entire season. And yeah, to me, I that's think he's too repetitive. I, yeah. I hope so. So here's the thing. If he gets out, like, in the first at least half of the season, I'm fine with that uh, season finale because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's definitely setting up some stuff. So I'm I'm not too, like, I'm not super happy with it, but I'm not, like, super mad about it. However, if we get through an entire other season of Bodhi at Three Rock only to get to another parole hearing or something, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to be concerned about, like, is he going to stay in there, like, the entire time? Is he never getting out? So, yeah. Yeah, I need some I think it sets up some interesting things for, like, the character dynamics because the whole first season was basically, like, them relearning how to trust Bodhi. And then now they're going to have to trust him again, like, that's got to be part of the season the season coming up is they have to like you know justify that they didn't trust him in this trial and that they didn't trust him whenever he was like basically lying to them and they also lied to them so and it just you know i think it sets up a lot of things that season two will be interesting you know what? I feel like we should save this conversation yeah, for next we'll week. Save <laughs> because we yeah. we'll talk about it more at the end. But if you've listened to Ladies Night, uh, you know what we're talking about. But we have yeah, something I'm trying for to keep it from time. spiraling because you know me. You you've heard my emails. <laughs> Hello, have you read have you heard mine? <laughs> I know. All right, uh, so let's get into the episode of the show that we're talking. Yes, about. yes, we're back um, into so, timeless people. You can tune yeah. back in. All right, so uh, we didn't get a previously on this episode, which I thought was interesting because I started previously on last episode, um, but we're back to cold opens this time, and we see this big gathering of the Nazi Party, and there's a man making a speech on it's early December 1944. And then at the very end of his speech, we see the V2 rocket launch. So, okay, I went way too deep on that tiny little thing. Uh, okay. First of all, uh, I, I got to give credit to uh, some of the IMDb, but one one sort of goof I saw uh, was when you see Von, like, the guy who gets the medal, who we later know is Von Braun, Von Braun, getting the medal. You can still see the guy talking at the end, but like whatever he's saying does not match up 
what he's saying <laughs> at all, like not even a little bit. Um, so here's when I went way too deep. The IMDb trivia section mentioned that the German is not good, like ran through like a Google Translate rather what rather than written by someone who actually speaks German. And uh, funny enough, I have a friend who's German. So we Zoomed together and she was actually telling me that at least for this scene, the German wasn't bad, uh, but you can definitely tell that the guy has an American accent. We, you can hear mm-hmm. it. Like, even if you don't speak German, you can hear he's got a yeah. German accent. So the German in that section, at least it's not that bad. Uh, we'll get to more when we get to Wyatt speaking German, which is different. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... I wondered, like, I wondered how off maybe both of them were, but also, like, I feel like you almost can't copy an accent very well um, in some cases, which, I mean, film, like, I feel like they get close, but in have to call it good. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, we see Von Braun uh, get his medal, and that's our first glimpse of him. So, we know he's important in some way because they kind of zoom in on that, too. Um, and then the V2 rocket launching. Um, back in the present, Gia has figured out exactly where Flynn is hiding. She's super excited about it. She gives us a reminder line for the viewers, basically, that we know there is a 50-mile radius in Oakland where he could be, uh, which Mason butts in here, and he's like, we already know that. And I wanted to be like, be quiet. Quiet. <laughs> but, Listen, uh, she's she's a goddamn genius. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, what Gia has now found, the new information, is that there was a massive energy use in this one area, which she says is either an impromptu Lollapalooza or the mothership. And so Christopher is like, this neighborhood? And Gia's like, no. I gotta narrow down to this block. So basically, Go Gia. Go the girl's Gia. badass. Yeah. Um, anyways, we've now cut to Anthony, who's working with the plutonium core with some soft music playing and they've they've found a science hood somewhere he is still using the the rubber glove things but they're now attached to some glass that at least blocks probably a, a minimal amount of radiation um okay. listen <laughs> i guess they're learning maybe, maybe it's more radioactive in the present who knows um yeah i guess there's some learning curve yeah but uh, our uh, one of the lackeys, Carl, he suggests Black Sabbath instead of the basically lullaby music that's playing, and which uh, Anthony says the music he has on it relaxes him. But I would say Black Sabbath is probably more relaxing than what happens next, which is they get raided by the U.S. military led by Wyatt uh, while he's handling radioactive mater- materials. And to be fair, Anthony's really cool under mm-hmm. that pressure because. <laughs> like chaos just happens there's gun everywhere everybody's gathering stuff up around him and he's still like not really cool as a cucumber because he's sweating um but like he does his thing so pretty yeah good. He, he maintains control and everything um he puts the little ball of plutonium into what basically looks like a scream canister for monsters inc is what i put in my notes <laughs> it looks like a miniature version <laughs> But anyway, so he puts it in there and they zap out of time just as Wyatt's crew enters, which, hello, Wyatt, Logan, and Tack Gear. Yes. And, uh, yeah, they uh, they get a hold of Rufus on the iPad and they're talking to him about where Flynn might have went. He went to December 9th, 1944. Ooh, one thing was... we need to, to mention is that 
uh, once they were packing everything up, Flynn, like we see a briefcase full of money mm-hmm. that yeah, Flynn grabs the money. takes it, which comes sort of into play in the background later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Rufus tells them he went to Germany, 1944. The U.S. does not have a working A-bomb yet, and they wouldn't for another half year. So he speculates that Flynn maybe is trying to hand over the bomb to the Nazis, which would be pretty devastating for the war. Mm-hmm. Um, back at Mason Industries, Rufus shows them the region of Germany Flynn is landed in, and there doesn't really seem to be anything interesting there. But Lucy does say there's accounts of a possible tavern, which is a secret meeting place for Allied resistance. And... Uh, that's what they'd have to do like they'd have to go to this secret tavern and Wyatt's reaction here was basically like hold on a second you're going where and with who and which, when which is another <laughs> which is a good point yeah and another um another uh time where the the show kind of brings up racism and how like Rufus is going to stand out pretty much mm-hmm everywhere and every time uh yeah but yeah with nazis around yeah which i think like we mostly think of world war ii he was that uh, hitler was targeting mainly jews but i mean it was a vast number of people if you didn't oh, yeah. fit that aryan race idea you know you were not considered welcome in germany at that so, time so yeah yeah he would have stood out quite a bit black people um i'm I'm assuming any kind of non-caucasian yeah and then also like you were gay if you were you know there were so many if you were even if you were ill if you were if you know you had some type of you know um, handicap or yeah Yeah, things like that like so i mean it was a a very long list compared to what we kind of think of when we think of the Holocaust. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so Lucy points out that they have to go because the alternative to them not going is that the Nazis get a nuclear weapon. So yeah, they're going. Fair. Yeah, the next problem is show of hands who speaks German, and it's Wyatt, and Lucy I know. is shocked. This and then is why it's like actually I speak four languages, and she is like oh. This oh, is kind of the opposite of, uh, you know, Lincoln that moment. Yeah. yeah, the Lincoln one where she's like, oh, I actually wrote a book about that. And you get like Wyatt, who's pretty impressed. And this is the opposite because let's face it, Wyatt's not just brawn. He's very much brain too. Yeah. So- but she also mentions here that the army dropped in more places than Palo Alto, which I think finally gives us an exact location for Mason Industries. I don't think we knew that quite exactly where they were before. Yeah. Um. But that's the Silicon Valley, like the birthplace of tech and all that. Mm-hmm. So, well, not birthplace of tech, but like the major hub of tech which makes, innovation, yeah. which makes sense. Um, so next issue is the costumes. And Mason went shopping, or at least he had his intern go shopping. And they now have a warehouse full of every single piece they can think of from every single country and every single time period. And... That's pretty impressive, honestly. I just want to know, like, did he call up, like, every historic seamstress in, like, the entire U.S. and have them make one thing all at one time so that, you know, like, he just, like, arrive? Mason, yeah, Mason, Mason is a billionaire. Uh, that's definitely a billionaire thing to do. And yeah. he's 
definitely saying something a billionaire say because he says it's better to have and not need than need and not have mm-hmm. sure i mean you know uh, i get that and i sort of agree with that uh how much money did that cost because oh an higher yeah. dock of it um but yeah that's yeah, the I... the first appearance of that set and we'll see that set uh, frequently yeah. But I also did laugh because all of the years have like the Mason Industries logo at the bottom. I know. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That was a lot. uh, You could have just put a sticky note on there. But um, it looks very official that way, I guess. Uh, Also, Mason also at this point, he kind of makes a comment that it doesn't seem like these missions are ending anytime soon. And that really does seem to bother both him and Lucy. Um, And so we kind of see where it's it's not just the time team that's kind of shook by the fact that they have to keep doing this. It's also Mason too, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but as she gets dressed, Lucy kind of notices all the costumes behind her. And then they do a really great um, kind of choppy cut yeah. of zooming in and um, the music kind of slowing down and the heartbeat kind of increasing. And we can see she's kind of like losing it in some way. Like mentally, she's kind of spiraling and then Wyatt interrupts her and he can tell something's wrong but he asks her that and then she kind of just nods so he leaves but um that's the first kind of point we notice Wyatt noticing Lucy is having trouble with all of this um yeah and I think I think it's definitely Mason's word like she probably knew that this was going to be a more ongoing thing that she bargained for um but i think the fact that mason says says it it's it's really hitting her um and considering the things she's seen the last couple episodes Mm -hmm. uh like the danger of it really and the pressure like the stakes are gigantic um yeah it's really getting to her he has a nuclear bomb now he's already interfered with the hindenburg he's already interfered with assassination of lincoln and every time they go back every time they go back in the past something else changes slightly Mm -hmm. and on top of that until flynn is out of order there's no way she can get amy back Mm -hmm. so there's so much things yeah yeah and i think that the costumes that's where it really hits her is that you know they're preparing basically for a lot of these to happen in the future it could go anywhere over a number of years um but yeah so we cut to rufus he's in the lifeboat and he's listening to that recording of lucy and wyatt when they're talking about the language thing and i think it's really important i think here to note that they're talking about both of them i obviously don't know how this plays out or why he's recording both of them but it seems the fact that he's recording both of them and not just lucy when the notebook is Lucy's that's I think, where I started to spiral a few theories yeah I think it's a few things theory I think Mason mentions that he's recording the mission mm-hmm. uh, itself so I think he's trying to record like everything that's happening yeah I took that as he was or the mission was that he recorded them but I guess that could be either way I mean but um they're the main part of yeah. the mission with rufus obviously but uh yeah no i this is where i spiraled though with some of my theories because i said uh maybe rittenhouse wants something with both of them and i said did 
they killed Jessica because they needed Wyatt and Lucy together, and he never would have agreed if Jessica were still alive. Um, and I definitely obviously wouldn't have grown close to Lucy like he does this episode. And then I said, or wild and crazy theory, <laughs> Jessica isn't dead, and she is part of Rittenhouse, and she was some kind of sleeper agent that got Wyatt, basically, to want to bring her back. So that's why he's wanting to time travel she has y'all she has the blankest face of all blank faces right now <laughs> she probably thinks i'm also crazy <laughs> i i i can't say i can't see anything it's killing me <laughs> but, uh anyway lucy and wyatt arrived in the lifeboat and um he asked how they're going to get people to help them at this tavern and lucy says they need to order the specific type of cognac but Oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Before, before, while they're talking about, okay, f- finish it, finish it, so I can spiral in my light. It feels afterwards. Oh, no, Go good. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, they, uh, Lucy doesn't really have great intel on this, so they're just gonna have to go in and wing it in Nazi Germany in a German tavern where Nazis frequent. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound stressful at all, you know. No. Um, but also, as they talk, he just helps her with her seatbelt again and i just i can't i love this and yeah, he's, that's cute. he's always like have like that that little smile that little smirk and whatnot and it's just the best thing yeah and they're yeah, definitely so... more comfortable around each other mm-hmm. like she lets him even though she can perfectly do it but she she lets him with that little smile too it's like he's humoring her and whatnot i don't know i love it i love it so much yeah, no, I think the whole team, like, after the fighting of last episode, which we don't know how mm-hmm. many days have passed since then either, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think yeah. they really say. Uh, I mean, however long it takes Gia to figure out the energy use thing. But, um, yeah, like, I think after the la- last episode where they were kind of fighting, but they kind of came together in the end, and they definitely worked better together this episode yeah. and were more comfortable with each other this episode. I mean, the seat, the, the seat belt too, I don't think, okay, in my head, because of course I have to think about every single reason, <laughs> uh, she was shaky and he saw mm-hmm. her like kind of losing it when she they were getting ready. And like, yeah, she can say she's fine. He's not stupid. He sees it. Uh, yeah. And we get confirmation of that after. But my guess is that she was still shaky and he sees it. So he's you know, helping her with her seatbelt and, like, not making a big deal out of it. Like, he doesn't, like, he's just doing it. Yeah. I don't know, out of being, like, a gentleman. But, and I think for her, at least in my head, it's, like, a very settling, reassuring thing. Like, it grounds her, yeah. at least for that moment. Uh, And it's, like, it's that very small smile, sign, sorry, that he's, you know, he's there. Yeah, well, and, like... For something like, like, this is something probably way blowing it out of proportion, but I don't think she even trusts herself so much um, sometimes because I feel like, especially with her backstory that we get in this episode, there's definitely a level of like, she doesn't trust herself as much as she might trust others. And I feel like this episode and last episode, it was a lot about trust and like others and your, and themselves, like that i think that plays in there too he's buckling her in so she knows she's safe exactly um, which is very you know sweet on his part too and yes we're absolutely blowing this out of proportion but that's what we do (laughs) and that's what we're (laughs) gonna keep on doing uh yeah 
yeah. But uh, so yeah, they also have a really cool launch sequence. We finally see them launch inside the lifeboat, and they kind of do this like slow mo, like kind like of leap like, forward back and then fall forward in this really like great uh, shot. One detail though, uh, they all leap like forward but they're all doing it in different direction because Lucy and Wade are facing <laughs> each other and then Rufus does it like towards the console. Yeah. It's like in a, in other uh, directions. So, I mean, you know, it's nitpicking, but it it, pro- yeah. it defies the laws of physics anyway. So whatever. Um, I thought that yeah. was fun. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> maybe it has, maybe there's just some really crazy physics going on there when you're exactly. trying to travel. We'll just see. We'll um, just say that. Yeah, but they land after that slow mo shot. Uh, Wyatt says he needs to start bringing Dramamine, and so uh, poor guy still gets motion sickness. Yeah, but uh, they open the hatch and they see that they have been spotted by a Nazi soldier. Which I'm surprised it's taken this long for someone to see them arrive, uh, because yeah. they've just basically looked out so far, and. Uh, he starts trying to get his gun around and Wyatt shoots him, which I didn't, I don't know. I don't think I'd clocked what Lucy looked like when that happened, but I feel like she probably would have been a little startled. Yeah, she was. So f- detail I picked is that, uh, you know, when the hatch opened, obviously on both sides, it's, they're kind of frozen by shock. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know it's a Nazi, but like poor kid though, <laughs> didn't sign up for yeah. that. Um, but just before Wyatt shoots, or before actually the the soldier pulls his rifle, Lucy says, oh my god. And I think, yeah. you know, at that moment, he hears her he's, he hears her speak English, and that's probably where he clicks that, oh, they're American, so they're enemies. And that's yeah. what sets off the thing. Because they're, yeah, they're, they're dressed as German, like so mm-hmm. they could be friendly. I mean, you know, bar the whole, they appeared out of nowhere in a big metal globe. Um, yeah. I think no matter yeah. what, he was probably going to pull a weapon on them. But, probably. Um, yeah. But the, so, oh my God, it's English. So obviously they're enemies. Yeah. And so for listeners, I was on vacation this week. So half of my notes were typed, not even half. And then the rest are handwritten. And, um, <laughs> I don't even want to show y'all like how bad this is but uh my handwriting is a mix of print and cursive sometimes half a word in so <laughs> some of this might be me trying to translate my own handwriting here but uh they were fine yeah they uh they kind of leave the lifeboat and they keep going and they're a little farther away and they find another guy Wyatt shoots him as well before they're spotted and that's when Lucy kind of argues with them of like you can't just kill everyone you come across because you don't know what they're going to do you can't change history and that's when we hear Wyatt say yeah you know he's a Nazi like why wouldn't I but um, yeah as as soon as uh Lucy says like you can't oh you we gotta try to protect history and Wyatt like right away he snaps back you mean protect Nazis yeah which, I mean, Lucy's point is a good one here, too, because we also, like, mm-hmm. 
without context and not, not knowing who they are in history, they wouldn't know if they were spies. They wouldn't know if they defected later to the allies. And That's so, true. yeah, like they, they definitely could be just with, you know, one shot changing can, a lot of history yeah, you can still see uh like it's the same fight uh lucy is still time, yeah. crying yeah and like wyatt still has that very black and white view of this is the mission and this yeah. is what matters yeah and we learn later why it's especially important mm-hmm. during this time period but um oh yeah we'll get there. while they're still <laughs> arguing they hear yeah they hear um the convoy coming and they kind of hide right before it passes. And that's when we get our opening credits. At least it cuts down on the fight. So there's that. Yeah. Um, but after the uh, the opening credits, uh, we see all three of them. They've arrived at that uh, tavern. Um, and uh, Waya just says like that he and Lucy will go in. And Rufus... Rufus does not want to be anywhere near here. Uh, I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> yeah, and Rufus fair. stays right here. <laughs> Good reason. Yes. He, like, I, I, I totally get it. But uh, in the end, he's still going to try to steal a car so that they have a car on hand. Um, unfortunately, his oh. um, superpower on, of invisibility doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> no, he's extra uninvisible. Oh, yeah. Okay extra visible <laughs> that's extra. the word for it yeah. what a word <laughs> uninvisible but uh it's like a double negative but yeah i also like there's a line in there where they say let's get some help or at least not die yeah i mean let, let, let's keep it like low low stake we're just trying not to die yeah and then we'll see good goal um but yeah like yeah poor rufus is terrified um way it does give him uh, a gun which I'm pretty sure is the one from the soldier like one of the soldier mm-hmm. he killed because it looks like a, a old gun as in from no. World War II contemporary to when they are yeah exactly thank you um, so when they're inside Wyatt and Lucy head to the bar where Wyatt orders a special cognac in German and like they really stick at like sore thumb i don't know how nobody else really noticed them because listen at this point i didn't even know that Wyatt's german but he has the thickest american accent mm-hmm. so yeah, like it's like, my so german obvious is not great yeah it's yeah i could definitely hear the american accent in that one but i mean also like how long did matt really have to work on it like Oh no no! Like I don't know that he speaks German. So. I, <laughs> like I can I don't see, know. I can see why. Like it, uh, they didn't have a time to like get it. I mean, perfect. I I know he doesn't listen to it, but Matt, do you speak German? <laughs> Let us yeah. know. Um, that'd, be cool. that'd be so cool. Um, but yeah. So anyway, the the barman is very reluctant. It doesn't have it, even when Wyatt insists, which is like. Again, could you be more obvious? Yeah. Um, in the end, they just order two whiskeys and they go sit like very, very tense. Um, meanwhile, we see Rufus uh, hot wearing one of the car. So I was curious here because he goes towards the first car and then we sort of 
focus on the one next to it, which is like a it's a Mercedes, right? Um, mm -hmm, like you see, you see the um, how do you call that the thing on the top of the car, like a the radiator? Little, yeah, the thing. Um, hood ornament. Yeah, hood ornament. Uh, so I was like, why are they focusing on that one? Because it never really comes into play. So was that like a product placement? I think it was the Mercedes or... itself. No, um, I think Mercedes. Maybe that was Volkswagen. I mean, they're a German brand of car. So maybe they were just trying to focus on it to like establish the fact that it was a German car, which we already knew that because they were yeah, but in it, Germany. But and they'd already they've been around before. Let's see. The the one thing I oh can... it does look like oh sorry my dogs are going off oh. but um there's something there's something in my backyard right now but um yeah the uh it looks like Adolf Hitler did drive a Mercedes at one point so maybe they were just trying to focus on the fact that you know it was probably a German car in Germany yeah. which was not surprising but so, maybe that no, was just the point is that the was, one uh, thing I can the one thing I can think of if really I'm trying to explain it is that because it's more of a I don't know if back then it was still like a luxury car maybe it was more the the type of car that or the brand of car that officers like Nazi officers especially mm, more higher up were driving yeah. so it'd be easier to not raise attention or like you'd see one of these cars and they wouldn't really pay attention because they knew it'd be more like officers and higher up. So they'd kind of let yeah. them be. I don't know. Um, yeah, I could see that. But yeah. Anyway, we, we go back inside and Wade and Lucy are drinking and like, let's face it, they, they could use the boost to kind of chill a little because they're, they're so tense that I don't know, like Lucy looks like she's about to jump out of her chair um and like her hand starts shaking and Wyatt notices it uh and he notices her like she's really staring she's not there like she's mm -hmm. in her head again um it doesn't say anything because really it's not really the place to say anything um at least he chooses his timing pretty well and then all of a sudden a Nazi captain approaches and Wyatt's trying to explain stuff and that's where things get like no wonder they were found at no wonder well because... the big one was the fact that he said they were going to Antwerp which he like this is my issue with that Wyatt would have known they couldn't go to Antwerp because and I'm gonna jump ahead here his grandfather was in the 101st and the 101st was like a week away from the Battle of the Bulge starting, which one of the goals was to get to Antwerp. The Nazi Germans wanted to get to Antwerp to cut off the resources at the port. So he would have known a German person in Germany couldn't just go to Antwerp. And he did say he <laughs> knows his military history, but I guess not and he that knows his well. Military history, but also he would have, like, his grandfather would have known, like, well, the Battle of the Bulge was one of the most famous battles in the entire war. It was like the the last ditch effort basically like if if the allied powers hadn't won that battle the war would have changed it was different but 
he would have known that knowing his grandfather was in the hundred first. So that just really irked me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like that was the obvious yeah. thing. Like he wouldn't have he wouldn't have said that. And you can tell uh it's the thing that the officer uh yeah we don't know who it is right then but um he stick by it like he notices that's when he kind of like pauses and like oh you are aren't you like i don't buy it the thing is lucy doesn't um doesn't uh notice it like yeah yeah doesn't doesn't say say anything. anything but i think for me like she's she's lost like she's completely she's freaking out so she can't think yeah. properly at this point so that that's not it's surprising but explainable uh mm-hmm. why it just really fucked up there uh yeah and that just that one bothered me because i feel like they could have gone to almost anywhere else and even then like i think that fleming would have noticed they weren't german even if they hadn't made that mistake i mean so but my uh, my friend hi katie uh, she she won't listen to this because she doesn't watch timeless i've been bullying her into watching timeless and she's uh she's one that's been resisting me forever but i won't give up um <laughs> anyway um at least she watched this with me um but yeah she 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 basically could not understand why it like that's how bad his german was mm-hmm. To be fair, Fleming's wasn't fantastic either, but at least, um, you know, she understood it. Wyatt, she she couldn't even understand him. So, like, really, it's no wonder they were found out. And they were lucky they were found out by that particular officer. Well, I wondered if um, there's another movie that does this, and I can't remember which one it is right now. But they didn't focus on... Fleming whenever they were ordering at the bar so I don't know that this was the intention but no. there's some other movie where they do something like that where they like give a code word and then later the person who wasn't the bartender or wasn't that you know character in that movie where they were telling the code word to someone else in the room overheard it and they were the one that needed to hear it and so they got the message to whoever they were supposed to get the message to but they do focus on Fleming. Oh, they do? I just didn't notice that. <laughs> uh, so when when they first go in, you see Wyatt go to the bar first. And Lucy follows yeah. like a few seconds after. And she and Fleming, uh, like she catches his eyes. You can see like. Oh, yeah. No, I meant like after, after they did the drink ordering thing. Like they don't like pan over to Fleming or anything at that point. No, no. But like you can. So you can suspect that he noticed them he heard them and yeah. he was he was like paying attention yeah uh but uh i wish i yeah. remember what movie that was from because like i can see it happening in my head and i can remember the scene pretty well but i can't think of the movie yeah. but um yeah i feel like they've used that device before though where like they give some kind of code word and the person they give it to isn't the person that needed to hear it but the other person does hear it somewhere else in the room yeah so anyway fleming the officer who we know, we learn in like five minutes later that it's actually Ian Fleming, um, just orders them to leave through the back exit. And he, you know, they go to like some kind of, it's another cabin sort of, which I guess is storage like or whatnot. Or something, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, and Rufus 
sees them, uh, sees like Rufus and Wyatt walking with that officer, which probably looks dire from mm -hmm. his perspective. Um, and so as soon as they're inside that shed, guns are pulled on both sides. Uh, and we learn that the Nazi captain is uh, uh, resistant, like he's with the resistance. So he's gathering he's British. intel. Yeah, he's British. You can say from his accent. Um, and so like, that's so much fun because, you know, they they tell him that they're American and whatnot. And it's like, oh, you American couldn't stand out more. And this is exactly the moment that Rufus chooses to comes in guns blazing and he Fleming just stares at him like I stand corrected. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, Lucy just tells him that they're safe and uh, they introduce themselves. And as soon as they introduce themselves, he starts flirting with Lucy. Yeah. Like right away. Yeah. As Bit soon as he knows they're friendly, <laughs> yeah, he starts flirting. Um uh, and so they decide to leave and talk somewhere else, a little place that Wayne calls more Nazi-free, which, yes, please. Um, and uh, finally, they ask the officer his name, and he's none other than MI6 agent Ian Fleming. Uh, yeah, which I uh, I liked how Wyatt tried to introduce himself here and was like, I give up. But I also thought... Like that's important for later because otherwise the movie wouldn't have been about them. The book wouldn't have been about them. Uh, mm. I forgot that part. But yeah, like, well, why so, is like we're part we're we're from the OSS. And I'm agent, and he goes, "What? I'm Wyatt Logan. That's Lucy Preston. That's our pilot, Rufus." Yeah, but I think um, when so I I literally cannot remember if that stands up later on, but so far. They tend to give out aliases when it's more like bad guys or like mm -hmm. people they really don't want them to know their real identity. When it's people that are friendlier, they're more inclined to give their actual real name to. Yeah. yeah. But it's um, just like a, the, the commander at the Hindenburg, you know, they give the Nurse Jackie one, but Wyatt was just like, I'm not even That's trying. true. Yeah, sometimes they're just like dumb. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, um, uh, screw it. Wait, Logan, this is Lucy Preston. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ian Fleming is played by, we mentioned it, I think, uh, Sean Maguire, who, um, I personally know him more from Once Upon a Time, where he was playing Robin Hood or Robin of Lockley, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's more his title in the show. Uh, he was one of my favorite episode and uh, one of my favorite character in that show. And I shipped him and Regina so much. They were so cute together. Uh, I've never watched it. Oh, you should. It's Which, such I a mean, good as show. As much as I read fairy tales, as much as I read fairy tales, I'm really surprised I never got into it. But I feel like it was one of those shows that it had three or four seasons already before I was like, oh, I need to watch that show. And then it was just a daunting task of watching it. No, seriously. So I probably do need to go back. I rewatched it like fairly recently, like last year. Um, and yes, there are some seasons in the middle that are not quite as good as others. But I want to say like the first three seasons were really, really, really good. 
Um, the other, like some of the others in the middle were like, they weren't bad. Like I find mm-hmm. them pretty entertaining. They're maybe not as good, but I still find them bad. There's maybe, maybe one that I'm like, nah, but then it ends like it's got a good wrap up too. So mm-hmm. it's definitely worth a watch for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, and I like, it's like my ever growing list. Yeah. The, the, the whole, like, you know, character, fairy tale character and whatnot, they, they put mm-hmm. like some good spins on it. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely good. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love the end of that scene because, uh, Ian gets, gets out first and, um, like Wyatt is so excited it's like yeah, this is giddy. You know, this is it's so is giddy, giddy. <laughs> um but also oh when uh, rufus mentioned he's got a car i don't know if you've noticed but lucy and wyatt do the exact same gesture at the exact same time and it's adorable no i didn't see that it's so cute i did not watch those scenes ten thousand times yes i did <laughs> <laughs> but yeah <laughs> That was part of the problem of being on vacation. I usually watch this like episode like two or three times before we we do the podcast. And then this time I only had a chance to watch through once. So I didn't get as many like little details as I usually do. It's fine. I'm going to do a spiraling for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have enough yeah, I've been spiraling. getting texts all week, guys, about the Lyot scenes. So <laughs> listen, this is no secret that a massive Lyot shipper, they're they are my number one ship ever by far yeah uh bretzy comes close but i'll choose layout over bretzy and if you know me at all you know it's big you know it's big um <laughs> i know uh, the only reason why i'm not writing fanfics about them like that's that's how you know when i'm into a ship is like i start writing fanfics about them yeah uh, the fact that i the only reason i haven't written fanfics about Lyat is because their story is just so perfect as is that I can't add to it so you know yeah no, um, I feel like that, I was thinking about that the other day about like fire country um because I feel like usually I would the same like the same like you feel like you want to start writing fixed about that like fan fiction about them just because you want to add to the story and I don't feel like there's much to add to it right now because they're doing such a good like um, creative job around it i actually i I, haven't really read much lately i have i have a a u idea for fire country but i think i remember you talking about that yeah yeah i'm not i'm not a huge uh you know um shipper between um gabrielle and Bodie. so mm, (laughs) like i i i enjoy (laughs) them uh not as much as i did the beginning but it's I can go either way. Uh, I was Bodeca all the way, right? I know. (laughs) I miss Rebecca, really. Um, Hi, Logan. Hi, Kim. We're hijacking your show again. again. Uh, (laughs) Okay, we'll we'll talk Fire Country. Fire Country Country started uh, streaming on Paramount Plus, I think. That's what got me Uh, back on the Fire Country uh, kick lately. Well, I'm being, you know. Stay tuned for next episode. We'll definitely have some Fire Country talk. (laughs) 100 yeah. percent um uh anyway you want to take over i think that's the good place for your yeah so minute. our history minute uh we usually put it a little closer to the top but it made more sense to put it here i think and so um ian fleming which is the guy we just met and 
uh, the writer of the Bond novels that we all know. Uh, he was born in 1908 to Valentine and Evelyn Fleming. And I just love the name Evelyn. And so I had to include that. And oh. then <laughs> that was the sole reason. But uh, he also has three brothers, Peter, Richard, and the youngest, Michael. And then his father, um, his family worked in banking, I believe. And then his father was in World War One and died during World War One. And he was friends with Winston Churchill. And Churchill actually wrote his obituary. And then, oh, uh, yeah, and that. yet there was a really, there was a really beautiful quote. I got all of this information from the Ian Fleming website, ianfleming.com, uh, which is ran by his estate and the publishing company attached to it. But um, yeah, he, um, there was a really beautiful quote from Churchill about basically the war that was going on at the time. It was like watching a beautiful city with all the lights going out one by one. Um, and that was kind of like, you know, he was seeing all these people pass away one by one through the war. But um, anyway, moving on, Ian and his older brother, Peter, went to Eton, uh, where Ian was known for his athletic skill, but not particularly his academics. He also has his first story published there in the school magazine, which is called The Wyvern. And he co-edited, co-edited it as well. And he had a bit of a Bond character in him already. He had a reputation in school for playing truant, driving cars, and entertaining girls. That's a direct quote. And uh, because of this rebellious streak, his mother had a deal with the um, school that he would leave early and join a military college. But once he was there, he didn't really enjoy it and left after a year. And not sure exactly what to do with him. His mother shipped him off to Austria. And he really thrived there at uh, the Villa Teneroff, which... I'm sorry, I'm butchering some some words here, but uh, it was co-run by a married couple, which included a famous author named Phyllis Bottom, and she encouraged Ian to write fiction, and she and her husband also encouraged him to learn by satisfying his curiosities, and so he really, you know, blossomed under that type of tutelage rather than something more strict, and again, uh, with the famous attributes of Bond, Ian became known as a bit of a womanizer while he was there. And his friend even described him as irresistible to women. Uh, when he was in Geneva, he actually becomes engaged to a Swiss woman. And they ended up breaking their engagement off when he moves back to London and his mother doesn't really approve of the relationship. But they think that's where he gets his inspiration for Bond having a Swiss mother. He also, oh. I think, really liked uh, Switzerland in general. Like I think he visited there quite often. But um after failing his exams for the foreign office, he becomes an, a journalist with Reuters, and his first major assignment is to cover the trial of six British engineers who are being tried for espionage in Russia, and it went so well that the foreign office makes note to use him for intelligence work later. And while he loved being a journalist, his family did pressure him to join the family business, which was banking, and he gave in. He found it very boring and did not excel. Somehow, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, 1939, you know, the war starting, uh, the Foreign Office sends Ian to Russia to unofficially gather intelligence on their military. And then later that year, he became an assistant to the new director of naval intelligence. And this is probably who he bases the role of M off of in the Bond novels. Um, Admiral Goff Jeffrey, I believe his name was. But he uh, he also gave Bond his rank and position that he had while he was in this position of assistant, which was lieutenant for this in the special branch of the Royal Volunteer Reserve, which was also something 
Bond so really, he was in my six. He really based the a lot of his experience off. Yeah. yeah. So when when yeah. Rufus, because like uh, spoiler like spoiler alert, no, but confession. Um, I I've watched some of the Bond movie, but not a whole lot of them, honestly. Uh, it's definitely something I'd like to I'd like to watch them like in chronological order, but I I can never find like where do you find them on streaming? I don't even know. I think you would almost have to buy like DVDs to do that. Um, yeah. I've watched most of them, I think, but not in order. I don't think I've watched them in a while. I wanted to rewatch. I think the last one I watched was Spectre, but I wanted to rewatch um, Skyfall because I loved Skyfall. Skyfall was just the best. But um, like, this sounds one. like corny. Like, this wasn't one of the best Bond movies, but uh, Die Another Day was like my first Bond movie that I remember. And I was like hooked on that movie. I thought Halle Berry was so cool. And the premise was really neat. And the ice the, castle was really cool. <laughs> like, the ones I just that, loved yeah. the whole thing. The ones I know most uh, are the Pierce Brosnan one. Because it's just mm-hmm. my generation. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched a whole lot of the Daniel Craig's one. I think I've watched the one with um, Eva Green. Uh, but I, I don't even uh, remember which Casino one it is. Royale, I believe, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. that's Casino Royale. Was but, it the um, first one with Daniel Craig? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I haven't watched that one in a while, but um, yeah, I remember the big to-do because they didn't want a blonde Bond. And I was like, Daniel Craig, I loved Daniel Craig. I thought he was a great actor. And so yeah. I was like, please give him a chance. Please give him a chance. But now they're talking again of like who they're going to cast next for Bond. And I know that a lot of names have come up, but I feel like every... You know, a couple months the question gets asked again, but uh, they haven't quite settled down on one. I don't believe. I haven't heard a thing about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, I. Uh, I wouldn't say I follow it very closely, but it's, I follow it enough that it pops up on like my Instagram hmm. feeds and stuff like that. But yeah, they. Uh, I really like. I think it'd be fun to watch it with somebody who's never watched Bond before. And just kind of see their original take on it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should. That can be an episode. We watch a Bond movie. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> back to the history. <laughs> um, Got sidetracked for a minute. Fo- yeah. The following year, 1940, uh, his brother Michael is fighting in Normandy, covering the retreat to Dunkirk, which was, uh, I believe, called Operation Dynamo when they do a very large land to sea evacuation and i believe it was actually one of the it was the largest land to sea evacuation up until 9 11 when they had to get people off the island of manhattan um and there was um a boat rescue in that uh if you go on youtube tom hanks narrates it it like makes your spine tingle every time because he's a great narrator but um yeah it uh it was a very large evacuation of, I think, about 340,000 men. However, um, during this evacuation, a lot of resources were left behind, and anybody who couldn't walk was left behind because it basically became every man for himself to get off Oof. the beach. Um, they were cornered in that beach. So Michael was one of the men left behind. He was wounded, and he was taken to a POW camp, placed in a hospital, but died of his wounds that October. And so... Um, he was buried in France near where he was in that hospital. Uh, the city was L-I-L-L-E. I don't yeah. know how to pronounce that. Okay. I knew I was going to butcher it. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
Ian worked alongside U.S. intelligence during the war and even advised on the setup of the Office of Strategic Studies, or OSS, which is what Wyatt mentioned when he was going to do the cover story. That is the predecessor for the CIA. Um, so that's what would become the CIA later. And he also wrote to the man setting it up, and he said, make an example of someone at an early date for indiscretion and continue to act ruthlessly where lack of security is concerned. And so that made me think of, though, when he walks up to those men and picks up the flask and, like, slaps them across the face to make, like, a point and to get them to go away. But uh, that <laughs> seemed very in character for that moment. But anyway, uh, during one of his visits to the U.S., he and the director of naval intelligence stop at a casino in Portugal. And that's where he gained his inspiration for Casino Royale, where Bond has a mission to bankrupt the bad guy, basically. Um, he also set up the 30 Assault Unit, or 30 AU, which was a commando unit that would accompany the army and gather intelligence. He also developed some of the missions that were used to spy on the Nazis and to deceive them, such as an operation that was meant to make the Nazis believe that the Allies were planning to invade Greece and Sardinia, uh, which was called Operation Mincemeat. They dropped a... Um, dead British soldier off in the middle of kind of an area he'd be discovered with papers in his pockets that uh, was false intelligence basically that's cool um, yeah I mean and then yeah not cool it was a dead guy but cool yeah. that he you know came up with that idea um, during this time he also visited Jamaica for the first time and he told his friend while he was there that after the war he wanted to move there and write books and he also told his friends in naval intelligence that after everything was over, he was going to write the spy story to end all spy stories. And he later does. He delivered. But, uh, he delivered. Yeah. <laughs> but after the war, he works for a news agency. Um, he also works for some publishing agencies as well, I believe. But every year he would set aside two months to live in Jamaica. And he begins building a house there called Goldeneye. And then from 1939 on, he also was having an affair with a woman named Anne O'Neill. She was married at the time. Her husband died. She remarries. But in 1951, she becomes pregnant with Fleming's child. And so her husband issues her a divorce and she and Ian decide to marry. He jokingly says that he needs a distraction. So he sits down to write his first Bond book in January of 1952, naming the taking the name James Bond from the author of a book called A Field Guide to the Birds of the West. He was the author, James Bond. Um, he wrote that, the whole thing in two months. That is the least Bond book. Yeah. Like, of all time. <laughs> like a guide to birds. Yeah. And he names that author like into a spy. That's just... Yeah. I. Yeah, it's, it's pretty... Uh... It's pretty funny, but also, like, how very, like, it's very, like, a writer. Because, you know, like, you're if you're walking around and you see, like, an interesting name or something, you'll write it down. Even if it's, like, a street name. Yeah. Um, or I know I read one. Uh, it was based in Arkansas, and they used uh, cities from Arkansas as the names. Same way they do in, like, Ch Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. Um, That's true, actually. Yeah. Often. And then even, like... um. Uh, Outer Banks. Outer Banks uses a lot of the area names as the names of the characters. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in and around Charleston where they film. They actually film in South Carolina. It's based in North Carolina, but they actually film in South Carolina. But um, anyway, so to reward himself, he gives himself a gold-plated Royal Deluxe typewriter. And then 
every year until his death, he would spend two months of every year from January, February to write a novel at GoldenEye. Um, after his novel was finished in March, he marries Anne and then his son Casper was born in August. He spent the next several years writing Bond novels and still working in publishing and journalism. 1961, film producers Cubby Broccoli and Harry Saltzman wanted to make Bond into a film. And that same year, Ian also suffers a massive heart attack. He does survive, but he has continued health problems after that. Um, with declining health, and he also has some marital problems, he wrote, he wanted to write a different type of novel. So he wrote The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, that had a different protagonist. And critics didn't really like it. However, this was also the year that while he was convalescing from his heart attack, he was forbidden to touch a typewriter. They wanted him to rest. Well, he gets a hold of a paper and pen and he writes Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which I didn't realize he was the one who wrote that because I always knew of the film, which the screenplay was written by Ronald Dahl. Um, I didn't realize Fleming wrote the book. But uh, he wrote it after bedtime stories that he would tell Casper at the time. And then um, it's also later adapted into a film uh, with Dick, Dick Van Dyke. But uh, the film is much different, I believe, than the book was, because I read kind of a synopsis for the book and it didn't sound quite the same. Uh, but anyway, uh, the first Bond film, Dr. No, was a huge hit and the Bond film fr franchise was launched. Um, this is the longest running film franchise in history. And then Ian saw the production of From Russia with Love after Dr. No, and he also gave his input for Goldfinger. But um, by 1964, his health had declined much further. His mother passed away in July. And then in August, he suffered another massive heart attack on August 11th. And he passed away the following mor morning, which was August 12th. And it was also his son's 12th birthday, which is really Oof. sad. Um, his last Bond novel was po uh, published post post posthumously. <laughs> I promise I know how to say that word. Um, as was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, and it's safe to say he had a very lasting legacy that he left behind. Yeah, I think I think you can say that. That's fairly accurate. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so they did include like, I didn't realize how much like Bond Fleming was. Because when I first watched, it, I didn't know any of that yet. And I was like, wow, they're really leaning heavily into this Bond stuff. And then I was like, well, maybe like, like he they didn't have to pull too hard because mm -hmm. it seems like he had a lot of Bond attributes for yeah. sure. Well, I guess that's the part that's the most accurate about the history in this episode because from what I gather like I, I only went like very uh, superficially um into like the event that they were talking about like as in um like you know the rocket and Von Braun and whatnot mm -hmm. but it feels even like some of the the backstory of Fleming that we'll get to later in the episode um like they really just went very fictional on it. Like they they didn't really yeah. went there. But yeah, they, they I mean they definitely fluffed some stuff. Yeah. But I feel like his like persona personality. They definitely yeah. they they definitely got right, I feel like. Yes. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I had no idea. And now I really want to watch and read uh James Bond. Yeah, I've never read the books. I'm not as big of a fan as Wyatt, but uh I uh I think the last time we watched my husband and I, we watched one of the older Bond movies and I don't even remember what it was. But it was one of the ones I didn't like. 
<laughs> and so I, need to I gave watch commentary Bond most of the time and he was like, I'm never watching a Bond movie with you again. <laughs> Stop ruining it for me. Yeah. Um, I'd also had like three glasses of wine. So I was basically giving like drunk movie history um, with that. <laughs> so, okay. Um, we need to watch a Bond movie and drink at the same time. Got yeah, it. That'll be, uh, uh, be great. <laughs> Let's put that in our <laughs> schedule somewhere. Um, uh, no, that was that was really interesting. Yeah. So um, back to our time team. They arrive. We I guess at Fleming's house, or at least like that's got to be residents where... of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're talking to Fleming. Uh, they're ta- sorry. They're talking to each other while Fleming's in another room, and um, he comes back in. That's when, that's when, you know, that's when, yeah, like Rufus goes, like, they're obviously both he and Wyatt are big fans, but like, oh, yeah, Rufus, like, I love the movies, and and Wyatt is like, and the books. (laughs) Yeah, he has read the books. He is that kind of fan. I remember, like, so, like, I really like the, like, Star Wars movies. I haven't read the books. Like, I've read, well, that's a lie. I've read, yeah, I've read the books that are adaptations from the movies, but I haven't read like any of the series or anything. And I had a boss when I was in college that like found out I liked Star Wars and he was talking about it one day. And he completely dismissed me after that because I said I'd never read the books. And I was oh, like, on. I can still be a fan of the movies without the books. Like, Listen, there <laughs> is no rules about being yeah. a fan. Yes, yeah, you can. Like, exactly. Don't get... It's like, okay, if, if, you, if you take Timeless, first of all, like some people would possibly dismiss me because I've only known about Timeless for a couple years now. Um, yes, I've watched the show maybe I don't know, solid half dozen times, probably more in two years. Uh, so yeah, I'm getting into the details, but like, I'm nowhere near uh someone like Logan who actually watched it live. But it mm-hmm. does like it doesn't matter. Like you yeah. love I've never something understood... the way you love something. There's yeah. yeah. Well, I've never understood not sharing something you love so much and not being like willing to open it up to more fans. That just always like blows my mind of like, why would you not want to have more people love what you love? It's quite you know? the like, opposite. I can't imagine yeah. being like, uh, no, you can't like you're not a true fan because you haven't read this, this or this. Like I just don't understand that. Yeah, no, me either. But uh, yeah. So Ian comes in, and also, and for f- just to finish on that, it's also okay not to be a fan. Yeah, no, like, like we were talking about it in our Patreon group, and one of the because I was like, I was saying, um, like basically, no one I've introduced to the show like didn't like it, and one of her friend uh said that she she would like she, i think basically she enjoyed it but she's not like super into it and I'm like yeah that's fine yeah. too like yeah like all levels of fan like or exactly. not exactly it works and if you hate it like that's your prerogative too everybody can be You're wrong probably not listening to this <laughs> exactly also everybody's entitled to their wrong opinions i'm i'm obviously joking <laughs> uh it's a matter of taste there's everything like there's just respect yeah everybody's opinion um back to the show 
Yeah, so uh, Ian comes back in, and they've already told him about the atom bomb, so they must have explained some of that on the ride over. Um, and then they explain that they think Flynn is going to put the bomb on the V2 rocket. And he already had some intel that Nazis were going to hold a party at Castle Verlar and launch the V2 missile into Belgium. And then... Um, what a party. Rufus basically... Yeah. Rufus basically explains at that point that if it's allowed to go off with the rocket, it's going to level a three-mile radius of wherever it hits. And so uh, Fleming at that point mentions the Blitz in London, that it'd be worse than the Blitz. And so that's the first kind of like note we have of him mentioning the Blitz. And then kind of earlier... um, Wyatt mentioned like Antwerp or something so, like they kind of like mentioned things that are going around this event of the V2 yeah. launching again but, it's uh, another it's a good other instance where you know they're not going where you think they're going in the past yeah. you think World War II you're thinking something massive like the Blitz or you know uh, or Battle of the Bulge it's like you know exactly like a week away like that would be the big thing like it's not in Germany it's in Belgium but you know yeah they're just going they're going somewhere completely different but it's all surrounded by these big events that are happening too yeah and they do make a good job i mean even if they mentioned the Antwerp thing and that wasn't really accurate but they (laughs) they they do a good job of like uh putting all those events in the background yeah they do setting like setting a really good scene Mm -hmm. um so their goal now is to get to the launch pad and Rufus is not confident about this plan. Uh, he's like, it'll it'll probably work, I think. Um, but at that point, Fleming pours them a drink. And I was really kind of sad here. They didn't do any kind of like, you know, shake and not stirred joke. But uh, <laughs> Lucy doesn't grab hers. She's kind of zoned out. And so he kind of flirts with her and hands her the drink. Um, this is also like the second time where she kind of had to be prompted to drink. And so I was wondering if, you know, the first time we see Carol when she's well at the engagement party, when she gets mad at Lucy, she goes, I need a drink. I need to go have a drink or something like that. So I wonder if I'm wondering, like, you can't obviously tell me this, but I wonder if that probably has some, maybe has something to do with it of Carol's kind of first instinct to go drink is Lucy's reason for not turning to alcohol at that point. But uh, anyway, that's also when Rufus notices that james bond is flirting with lucy way it's not happy with it yeah i don't think like he doesn't make much of a face then he definitely does later like a bit of an uh, he's got a bit of an eye roll going yeah uh, he, he but i rolls his eyes. i think at this point he also notices more like lucy kind of zoned out not drinking yeah, with everybody more, yeah and at this point he's more worried about her than he is paying attention to um ian flirting with her yeah it's probably also um, still starstruck a little bit yeah um so on their way to the launch pad they're walking there ian and rufus are talking and he kind of says you know can i ask you a question um and he wants to know how ian gets used to being a spy and lying having to lie all the time and fleming kind of says he doesn't really see what he does as lying it's more like playing a role um, that he says people who trust him wouldn't, Rufus says, people who trust him wouldn't see it that way. And Ian said, there's really no trust in this. There's only the mission and like what the mission is. And so 
I think we hear later Mason mentioning the mission and like what it is. And so that kind of brings that back around to writing wise. Yeah. But that's, that's the difference with like for Rufus, because like Fleming is basically, I don't trust anyone. So like, I don't get close Mm -hmm. to anyone. And that's not the case here because Rufus actually trusts Lucy and Wyatt. So he's, he likes them. So he like, he doesn't want to betray them. They're yeah, they're a team, which, so there there's yeah. still that notion that he's he's uncomfortable with lying to his team. Yeah, there's that I mean there's that idea of trust that they started last episode mm-hmm. and knowing they trust each other now and knowing that Rufus knows he's breaking that trust even if they don't know it yet. Yeah. Um, so- but also um he mentioned that uh we were talking about setting the scene. Uh but Ian asks him, like, what he's doing here? Because, you know, mm-hmm. he can't, like, the purpose of a spy is to blend in. And Rufus doesn't really blend in. And so he mentioned he's the pilot from Tuskegee. Yeah. And I didn't know that. But um, apparently, so that was where uh, Black airmen were trained by the U.S. Air Army Corps. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a nice little, and they, like, they don't expand on it ever. Like, they don't explain anything. But it's a little background thing, again, that's really smart yeah that was the first time um black americans were allowed basically to fly military aircraft and they were very well known especially after i believe there's a few that are actually still alive obviously many of our world war ii veterans have passed away um but yeah they uh the Tuskegee airmen became a very very famous military group and so I mean, Fleming definitely would have known about them, especially if he's involved in U.S. intelligence as well. Yeah, so it was a very, it was a good like nod to that and a good like little tidbit to add in there. I think. Yeah, those. But um, I love those little yeah, little things. Yeah, they add crumbs. a lot of like good yeah good details. Um, I'm deciphering my notes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so at the launch pad, Ian gets uh, the guards to leave, like I was saying during that quote where he said, mm-hmm. you know, make it an example of somebody. He slaps someone across the face. And uh, when they get there, they don't find the bomb, which surprised them. And I liked Rufus's, like, you can't just strap it to there with duct tape. Like, you have to, like, install it. But, but so, also, uh, so it, where did they find a Geiger counter? I'd like to know. Yeah, was he just, like, carrying that? around did he have a backpack when they left like some kind of bag i don't think so did fleming carry one for some reason had one in the trunk or i don't know anyway good thing he packed one because that was useful um yeah i mean i'm assuming they packed one i just don't i didn't see if he had like a bag or anything not that i remember (laughs) but anyway uh yeah so they uh they checked the rocket there's no bomb on it and then about that time flynn and co roll up and Von Braun is with them. And he starts kind of giving the stats on the V2 rocket. Um, and Wyatt is in the bushes and he's preparing to shoot Flynn when Von Braun steps in front of him. And that's when Lucy stops him and says, you can't risk killing him. And she doesn't really explain here. And I was like, why is she not just telling him who Von Braun is? Because you know, obviously she knows. But then I realized Ian was still there and with the hearing range. So she couldn't exactly say like, He's going to be the father of NASA, like a father mm-hmm. of space travel. Like, 
NASA needs him. Um, so, or we lose the space race. <laughs> we were talking uh, back in, towards the beginning about the that brief gift of money, and that's kind mm -hmm. of when we learn where it um, came into play. Because uh, as they're talking, and apparently, uh, Flynn speaks German too, so good for him. Uh, mm -hmm. It's convenient that everybody speaks German. Um, just saying. Um, but um, yeah, so the the other guy addresses him as Mr. Vogel. Uh, and I, I just Googled the name just in case it was meaningful. There was a mm -hmm. general called Emil Vogel. So I wonder if they took inspiration, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But they say that he's a businessman and he donated a significant amount of money to the Reich. So we can suppose that it, it was that briefcase. Yeah. And that's how he kind of got in with them. Yeah. But um, all no mention in... of the bomb, though. Nope. Um. So yeah. So they go back to uh Fleming's ha uh, house, and that's where um Lucy kind of explains why they can't risk von Braun to be caught in a grand in a crossfire, just because. And um, at this point, uh, Ian's there, so she can't. Mm -hmm. explain all of it do, but yeah. yeah he just says that the allies want him so he can develop their rocket prog program and bo both Wyatt and Ian are pretty mad about it and especially because Ian mentions that it's his rockets that were the the one to to rain on London during the blitz rain on London, that was yeah. another one so <laughs> I had issue with that. <laughs> we also, I already told Helen about this this morning. But um, yeah, so like this one confused me and I don't know why they would say this other than they just really wanted to use Michael as a like factor for Ian to be as angry as he is at Von Braun. Um, kind of in the same way Wyatt is so that Wyatt would agree with him. But mm -hmm. the Blitz was an air raid. So the the rockets weren't hitting London during the Blitz. And so that doesn't really make sense for him to be so furious about that. What's happened in 1940, which is when Michael died, but he died in yeah. Normandy in France. And so like that one confused me of like why they would change the story that much, especially with the Blitz being as well known as it is that they were used high explosive yeah. and incendiary bombs during but, an air raid. So that one confused me a bit why they did that. But could they could they be talking about like a different type of no, the London Blitz was, I mean, it was the London Blitz. Yeah. I mean, they had bombed London other times, but the Blitz itself in 1940 was an air raid. Yeah, I guess they just wanted Ian to be mad. Yeah, they want, I mean, that is exactly, like, I think that's why they did it, is they wanted to give him a little more motivation. Yeah. It was just also, I got to say, kind of strange that they use V1 and V2 missiles. But um, I did think if it was possible, I suppose that with the Hindenburg not going down by unknown means it was a German Nazi German aircraft at the time I didn't know if maybe technology changed because airships were still a thing um, yeah. they wouldn't have abandoned airships the same way so I was like well maybe since their technology you know was affected by the Hindenburg maybe something happened it was a little different but I still feel like here they're talking about like a blitz we would have known. So that, yeah. that just kind of 
was strange to me that he was so adamant that the blitz was because of von braun when it wasn't um it's just odd history wise yeah they probably just wanted to make the stakes higher they really i really do think that's why they did it they just did it to give him a little more motivation to hate von braun specifically yeah um so yeah in the end they agree to just kidnap him and take him to the allies hand him over to the allies um and so fleming uh, says he can't get he and lucy into the party and um he tells rufus and we have they're just going to be back up from the outside and wyatt is mad and <laughs> um notice he says about lucy like she doesn't get in without me he doesn't say without us yeah. he says without me just saying yeah so, no, so, I, I, he gets very protective of her at that yeah. point which he had already noticed i think you know she's shaky and so yeah. he doesn't want her to go and then obvi- well and obviously rufus can't go so that's, that that might have been part of that too true <laughs> um okay uh listeners th- this is my warning this is where I start to dissect every single Lyad interaction. Um, I very much apologize for the person I'm about to become. Uh, also, Logan, when you listen to this, because I know you're listening, this is all your fault. Um, <laughs> come and come and defend yourself <laughs> next time. Um, but yeah, there's there's so much silent communication between Lucy and Wyatt, mm-hmm. and this stays true from this point forward uh yeah i felt like this is where so we've seen wyatt and rufus developing that friendship but this is where we really see wyatt and lucy start connecting the previous three episodes like they've had interaction and some like understanding but i don't think they had the connection until this episode and you and you can definitely see that that connection is very different than the connection between Wyatt and Rufus, or even between Lucy mm-hmm. and Rufus. Because, um, um, uh, like, there... Um, I forgot when he, he says something he's right about... Uh, no, when... Um, I'm lost. Why am I lost? Um... But yeah, like at first she's um well oh, when um Ian, sorry about that. Um I forgot what I was gonna say. Um when Ian mentioned like she's an operative, like she's just as capable as you are, and they both know that she's not the same kind of operative as Wyatt. And so yeah. at the at at the beginning of there, like you can see she's like the panic is rising a little. Yeah. And and at some point, like she sees the, the Wyatt being protective, but he she like she tells him that Ian's right. Like I can, I can, I can do this. Um, and like you, you really see like they really play off each other. Like she gets calmer because she knows Wyatt like is there as backup. Uh, mm-hmm. and she knows if she looks scared at all that Wyatt won't let her do it. Um, and he looks back at her very like he's looking at her very, very uh, like he's got a very this very intense stare. He's really trying to see mm-hmm. uh where she's at, and he he knows or 
at least the very least he suspects that um she's be playing being more calmer than she actually is um and i think that's why he goes to see her later uh make sure that yeah. she's really okay with it uh but i just i just love like all the little things that they're basically talking to each other with just looking at each other it's it's beautiful i don't know if i made sense at all through all of this you did uh, okay <laughs> uh but yeah so eventually Fle fleming uh leaves and um to get some uh, uniforms for lucy and so lucy and rufus explain why uh von braun is so important and that's where they talk about him like um being the the reason why uh nasa is gonna be nasa and this is the first yeah. time that Rufus is more clearly on Lucy's side about protecting history. Um, yeah, which I mean, thinking about it, like, not only is he probably very aware of what Von Braun has developed, their lifeboat probably can't be developed without some of the technology NASA produces during this time. Yeah. I'm it's, assuming it, there's probably similarities between space travel and time travel. I yeah. mean, obviously, one's fictional, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's definitely some things I'm sure that that cross over that he would need. So, yeah, and uh, so yeah, I think it's definitely more concrete than you know why Lincoln couldn't be saved versus like or why they couldn't. Uh, it was less. Um, or why it was so dangerous to put Judith uh, in jeopardy, like the way um, Lucy argues with Wyatt about. Because uh, yeah. this example, like Rufus really knows how important it is. And he's really yeah. have like those concrete examples. So yeah. Um, but yeah, for Wyatt. It's also like, the first time they mentioned that space race, um, which was true. trying to get, obviously, rockets into space first and how Von Braun is important for the U.S. Mm -hmm. to win. I mean, Wyatt's main reason for, like, why he's so against all of this is because he knows Von Braun's going to be pardoned. And for him, yeah. it's very unthinkable, and you can still see that black and white yeah. vision still. I feel like this was a very, like, Kelly Severide moment for him. Um, for You know, there was a couple episodes in the last season of Fire, before Taylor left where he was you know he was refusing to see any kind of bigger picture because he wanted the guy punished yeah. in some form or fashion but that kind of reminded me of that similar like conviction behind it yeah and again he's not he's not interested in like why it's important like it's it's like very much you know how we were saying last episode about the why doesn't matter uh yeah. it's a little bit of that too um but also there's more to it and we'll learn about it in uh, the next scene, really. Um, so, yeah, we cut to, uh, I guess it's a bedroom where Lucy is getting ready. So she's changed. She has the Nazi uniform on. Uh, she's looking at herself in the mirror as she puts like a, a, naz a Nazi pin on it. And uh, that, that, that scene, it's 
again, we have like that moment of panic the same way we had it uh, in the wardrobe doc where, mm-hmm. it's kind you of know, it's and cutty and, yeah. exactly um, everything kind of fades. Uh, and um, you see more of the uh, physical panic too. It's like she's mm-hmm. get, she get like shaky breath. She's almost crying. Uh, it's like she puts her hand to her forehead, like she's trying to calm herself, and she's she's almost falling into a panic attack, really. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, Wyatt appears almost out of nowhere and but so we're really into like the camera work on this and is so good because uh they don't show Wyatt coming in so we were really very much with Lucy in her Lucy, state yeah. of mind and we see Wyatt appearing the same way like she didn't see him, see him coming she didn't hear a knock she didn't see him coming and we missed that just like she missed it mm-hmm I just love how, you know, Wyatt doesn't force her to talk. Mm -hmm. At first, he just sits there and say, okay, I know you're not fine. Because she tries to play it cool again. But as we know, when someone says, I'm fine, they're never fine. Uh, (laughs) You were saying. Yeah, and I like how this starts, where she comes and she's like, I don't want to fight about Von Braun, which last episode... You know, when they were arguing over Judith and they go into that bedroom, you know, that's they're snapping at each other. And Wyatt was obviously, you know, irritated at that point. And so he wasn't looking to, like, you know, help her in any way because he wanted his his own mission to be done. And so here I think he can really see what's going on with her and realizes, like, this is not the time. Even if I want yeah. to argue, like, I can, This she's not she's not capable of arguing with me in a clear head right now and and so he just kind of yeah. brushes past it and says okay um, we're not doing that then we're yeah it, we're he's putting arguing. their their difference of opinions aside um and um because like he knows she's not fine so they they can't be fighting about it because he's just gonna make things worse mm-hmm. and the fact that they're they're putting their differences aside it gets them to really understand i think each other's perspective by the end um but yeah the fact that he just doesn't force her to talk like he he doesn't say like okay tell me what's going on or something like it just kind of comes as like i know you're not fine i i've seen that so i suspect that's what's going on to you uh like for you i mean and so that kind of flows into her uh talking about about what where she's at yeah when him saying you know like you need to either get over the hump or crack up like those are your kind of two options Mm -hmm. where he's seen this go and i like how here she kind of calls him out she's like well you don't talk about it and he said well i'm over the hump and i was like he isn't though in terms of jessica's murder so like I feel like that's gonna come back around at some point. It almost needs to, of like he's gonna have to, not have to. Story wise, it would be great if he you know opens up to her about what's going on with him because that's obviously not something that he 
has settled within himself yet so like yes like this where he's in a very intense situation he's used to that but there's obviously other facets of his life that he will probably need to open up to her about in the future to get over the hump of crack up i'm trying to she's trying to figure out how to think yeah for me. Well, well, like should i should anyway. i say this or not uh okay i'm I'm gonna say something because it's not that much of a spoiler but basically uh yeah you can see like even next episode we'll yeah. be talking about the hump yeah but i mean yeah, i i like her backstory too though which yes oh i have i have stuff to say i have stuff right. to say <laughs> um so yeah, that's when she she explains uh, that she shouldn't be here, uh, that she was almost gonna be um, she was gonna leave to be in the band. Yeah. <laughs> and I love if if you look at Wyatt, um, just at this point when she mentioned that, like he's he's very amused. Like I think he finds it really oh, yeah. really cute. And like as she tells the story of the car accident, he gets really really like more more and more serious and at, at some point mm-hmm. he's almost horrified like yeah. almost scared that she might not have made it like it's he almost gets paler honestly um yeah. but yeah that that's the lucy's big trauma and like the lack of control certainty of death and she's back in there because obviously she has zero control of what's happening and so much so that she doesn't even have control over what she comes back to every time they come back in the lifeboat. Yeah, it is always it might always be different. But like I really liked it here because the first time I listened to it, I was like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. But like thinking it over more, it just it makes it so much more real that I guess it wasn't the obvious. Because I I kind of was worried they were gonna have carol be just like this very controlling mother some kind of overt like threat to her you know following in her footsteps and that's why she was afraid to like step out of the path but here it's almost more like that was happening where it seems like carol had a plan for lucy's life but the big traumatic event wasn't anything to do with carol so much as it was to do with like lucy seeing a sign from the universe that she was doing something wrong and so that's that that idea of faith that she has basically she felt like she was being punished because she was stepping outside the line of fate of what she was supposed to do because in her mind fate is what carol has planned for her and you know being a history professor working in the history field just the same way she is so i thought that was a really interesting way to have her want to protect herself so much in this idea of she needs to follow in her mother's footsteps and she needs to play it safe and why is because she had this event that the moment she stepped outside of that plan everything went wrong and so I thought that was a really great backstory for that reason just because it wasn't like it wasn't just overt of Carol controlling everything it was something on the on the outside of Carol trying to plan her life that made Lucy want to stay inside that that ideal that her mother had for her. So I just thought it was a good good way to do that. So there's a headcanon about this, which is not mine. Uh, this okay. is Logan, who told me about it, and I actually, I love it. And I've adopted it as my headcanon too. But 
her headcanon is that Wyatt, knowing about that accident, he's the one who, uh, from another timeline, came back and he's the one who saved her from the car, which I think would be so such a good one. Um, Can you see who who my theory is? I can't I can't read it from here. It says Rittenhouse. Ah. I said, did Rittenhouse pull her out? So like, I was like, well, maybe she was like, I was like, maybe that was when they accidentally changed time and they were trying to fix it. And they, you know, came by and pulled her out of the crash. But I like the idea of Wyatt being the one to pull her out instead. That's that's, that's really... a better one. I, I mean, guess it still could be if, if they end up working with Rittenhouse at some point. Like, obviously, <laughs> I can't go into much detail, but we can, we can yeah. definitely go back to it as we learn more about everything. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, I'm trying to theorize Rittenhouse is how Rittenhouse is controlling everything. And yeah. so that's where I was like, maybe it was Rittenhouse who pulled her out the same way they killed Jessica. Like, they're just, you know, puppet strings on all of this. I feel like this is an anyway. episode we need to have, like, once we've watched the entire show. Yeah. Of, like, just an episode of going back to, like, every detail and how yeah. everything works together. Yeah, and, yeah. like, things, yeah. Because uh, even though I'm... Like, we're going to try to get back to it as we go. I'm sure there's, like, kind of like this. You can really get into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's, like, several events that you can really get into and twist around. Loop around, even. (laughs) Yeah, Um, probably. Yeah, that's probably, like, an entire episode in and of itself. Um, But, yeah, so now that Lucy has shared that event of her past... Lucy, uh, Lucy, Wyatt kind of returns the favor in a way um, where he explains um, his story where so he his dad was from what he's saying pretty much abusive and or terrible at the very best terrible as the, person, yeah, yeah. Um, and his grandfather Sherwin uh, he's the one who basically raised him. Um, and so he mentioned that Grandpa Sherwin uh, was in, or is technically, in the 101st. Uh, mm-hmm. And I checked, they were about 200 yeah, miles were, from there. Uh, yeah, they that were time. in, yeah. uh, they were at Bastonia. Bastonia, yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah. Bastonia. So that's, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to butcher it again. Don't worry. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so I got the opportunity this past winter when I was on vacation in Europe to go to the Bastogne History Museum, or it's the war museum there. And that is probably my favorite museum I've ever been to in my entire life. And I've been to a lot of museums, but it's really neat because you get a very like personal experience because you walk around with headphones the whole time. Um, you go through and they introduce at the very beginning four people that you basically walk through the battle with. And so it's a German soldier, an American soldier, a school teacher that was local to the area and a little boy that was local to the area, a teenage boy whose family owned a bicycle store. And so you walk through and they all experience the war in a different way and all experience the battle in a different way. And on December 16th, which is only a week away from this, the battle of the bulge starts and that's um, primarily American troops were affected by the beginning of that. Um, there was also really bad weather around the time, so they couldn't get supplies or uh, 
support by air. Um, so they were basically kind of on their own. And if you go away from the museum just a little bit, it's kind of like down the street and around the corner, um, the foxholes that they were all in are still there in the woods. So you can walk into the area that they were camped out in the woods in the Ardennes, and you can see like the impressions in the dirt that are a couple feet yeah. deep where they were all just kind of like huddled in and it was cold and it was miserable. And they had all been preparing to go to Paris for Christmas when they found out that the German offensive was coming. And so it was just like this really like, you know, intense movement of people um, back into battle mode, basically. And then it was one of the major battles of the war, turning point, um, kind of a no turning back, actually, for the Nazis. But uh, if you ever have the chance of like going to that area, 100% go to that museum. Good to know. Yeah, I, I mean, strangely enough, I haven't been too much in like the north and northeast of France mm -hmm. at all. Um, definitely something I would love to go and visit. Um, but yeah, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, um, one of the little background crumbs that actually did not make it in the episode, that was a very, very, very cold December and it like was. everything everything <laughs> should be covered in snow and yes. it does not reflect here uh yeah no because uh when i went i was there over christmas and so i was there probably like late late december like after Around christmas the, before new yeah. year's and it was actually extremely warm uh but somebody who'd been there like two weeks before was with me and they said at that point in time it was super super cold and the ground was frozen um and that was more like it would have been when yeah. the battle was happening because uh, the weather was horrible it was freezing cold yeah. raining overcast and so yeah they should definitely should have had snow on the ground during yeah. uh, their time in <laughs> in the northern germany for sure um but yeah so he explained uh so but yeah back to the episode um <laughs> this is no no this is the episode of like us getting sidetracked i feel like oh yeah uh, we've been sidetracked the whole time <laughs> i mean it's it's gonna happen every <laughs> once in a while um but yeah so he explains that that's why he has issues with von braun because um he says that everything he does he does for his grandfather and mm -hmm. that the fact that he's letting Nazis or von Braun go unpunished or like letting Even Lincoln uh, die. And yeah, he, like he feels, it feels like he's betraying his grandpa because his grandpa fought to defeat Nazis. Um, mm -hmm. And like, it's, it's pretty clear at this point that Sherwin's the reason why it became a soldier. Like he wanted to follow in his yeah. grandfather's footsteps um and so as he's talking about that he gets up and he tightens uh lucy's tie and at this moment i don't know if you had a chance to go on back we hear a very specific music which is that, yeah the liar the theme. theme this is the liar theme that comes in from the first time and oh my god i forgot this was it and my heart, <laughs> my heart just completely melted. And, oh. but yeah, it, and I think it, because like, there's no, 
romantic thing happening here like explicitly they mm -hmm. I, th I think they're just at this point where there's something like they've noticed each other they're not in love or anything yet because like Wyatt's too he's too much still in in what happened to Jessica uh Lucy's too much into everything that's happened like like her mm -hmm. entire have her entire life has been completely um messed up uh so like there there's nothing awkwardly romantic like there's maybe I, can you even call it flirting I'm not sure but I don't I mean the I wouldn't say yet. I th I think this is more of like a a companionable, like understanding between two people. Yeah, it is, and it is romantic. It is an intimate moment because yes, it's the first time that they really share something that's very private and very personal that they don't share with anybody else. Um. Yeah. And and like they trust each other with that part of their lives, and it just brings them closer. And literally, because Wyatt actually moves closer to Lucy, so like the physical aspect <laughs> really um, uh, mirror the the emotional aspect. Um, and uh, if you if you compare it to um, episode two, where Wyatt reassures Rufus, who's freaking out at that moment, it's very different. It's definitely mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. as intimate and as personal as it is here. So there's something, um, there's something here uh, that's different, but they, they, they themselves, like we know what it is. Like we're not stupid. We've watched many shows before. Uh, we know what it is, but they don't know what it is yet. And it's also yeah. when you look at um, Wyatt's reaction to Ian flirting with Lucy through the entire thing, like he's very obviously jealous, but he doesn't know he's jealous and he doesn't know why he's jealous. And that's hilarious to me. Yeah, I think for him, he's thinking of it as more of like, we don't have time for this. Why is this guy flirting with her right now? Like, I think that's more of his like personal thought. Yeah, but he's like, consciously, yes, he is. Yeah, like, he's sticked he's by jealous. it. He just doesn't know why he's sticked yeah. by it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and, and, and also he finishes with ma'am and yeah, this is me now. melting to the floor in a nice tight little puddle um but yeah and the, the the one important thing he says to her is says figure out what you're fighting for and they'll come yeah. back later but yeah this entire scene i've i've watched it so many times i love it i love it so much um and yes, that was us spending the last, what, 20 minutes on one scene? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> they packed a lot into those, like, two yeah, little it, moments between yeah, them, you know? Yeah, it, it is a very important one. Um, uh, but yeah, next we we go to the castle, uh, which is really like a, it's not really a castle. Uh, they call it castle, but it's not really a castle. Um, yeah. It is, Schloss. How yeah. you say in German? Schloss. Something like that. Kind of like uh, a palace basically like a, yeah a big uh what do they call it um it's like start to the sea not a mansion but um no <laughs> it's 
it's gonna bother me i have like i can see the word <laughs> oh no i get it um a not a chalet that's not it either no. <laughs> anyway something big like um, that yeah um <laughs> So I looked it up, you know, they're like a, a very quick shot of like an aerial shot where we, you see the the castle with like all the Nazi flags and whatnot. And uh, it, it does look like they actually took a shot of the castle and probably like CGI some Nazi flag on top of it. So that was a nice oh, touch. Yeah, I'm sure they had to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we just see Ian and Lucy come into the this type like this kind of atrium whatnot because it looks like kind of an atrium because there's a middle and there's just balcony all around it so mm-hmm. yeah uh we got to outside where way and rufus are at the lunch pad um and way decided he's gonna sabotage the rocket launch that wasn't planned yeah uh no he, he kind of impromptu he's like we have to yeah. fix we have to do this for basically for his grandfather yeah but like he doesn't say like as much as he was willing to share that story with lucy he doesn't yeah, explain to someone Rufus, he knows in the hundred and first exactly yeah instead of his grandpa so i i like that little touch where he, again you can see the difference of the relationship with rufus and the relationship with lucy um Inside, uh, Ian and Lucy are on a balcony overlooking that section. They're look they're looking for Von Braun. Uh, there's more flirting from Ian. Like he actually puts his hand on on Lucy and like, okay, we get it. You're interesting. Uh, and uh. We cut back from outside, and this is my my big, uh, how did that happen, of the episode, because you see Wyatt looking at Ian and Lucy from the outside, and they're (laughs) on the opposite side, I feel like they're on the opposite side of that, like, lake... Like small pond or lake, yeah. small lake, pond, whatever. Uh, they're also obviously on the other side of the atrium of that of that room, at least, because they're facing toward the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the window has like see-through curtain, but still curtains. And he sees all of yeah. that with binoculars and like good eyesight. Sure, like, dude. that's <laughs> magical binoculars, really. Um, he got them like straight out of Hogwarts. <laughs> or do, do you think he went to the Quidditch the World Cup like with invented. like those? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the ones from the Quidditch World Cup. Yes, that has to be. Um, and this is where we like more clearly start to see Wyatt being really annoyed. Uh, yeah, with Fleming, his uh, his comment of. Dude, James Bond's hitting on Lucy and she's into it. She's into it. But like, was she though? I don't know. I don't know if she really was. I don't think she minded so much, but I don't think she really was into it. Not the same way that she was obviously more into Robert Todd Lincoln. Yes. You know, like, there definitely was a difference there. Yeah. She was interested in the sense that the same way she was interested in Judith Campbell, for example. Yeah, just as a, a figure of history, more of anything. Exactly, yeah. Um, and speaking of, like, she asks uh, Ian about his story, um, which I love that every time she kind of tries to get 
to know whatever historical figure they they need. Uh, she just wants to know more, like yeah, very yeah. much the historian in her. Um, and so, so Ian tells that story about his brother dying in the Blitz, and that did not happen. Like in real life, that did not happen. Um, so chances are, it's the writers kind of like we said earlier wanted to yeah just want to give him more motivation yeah um but or if, the hindenburg you, changed the blitz that could be know. too uh the other the other thing could be like since fleming was very much a womanizer uh he's trying to uh appeal to lucy a little bit more with like the very sensitive story about i lost my brother and i was I felt like I was the yeah, reason I didn't for see it. it that way. Yeah, probably. I didn't see not. it that way. I, I definitely think that it was supposed to be like real for the episode. Yeah. Uh, of more of just like they wanted to give him the same kind of motivation as they gave Wyatt mm-hmm. of wanting to protect his grandfather or honor his grandfather in the same way that Ian kind of wants to, you know, avenge his brother. Um, yeah. And that's why they both hate Von Braun. Um, that definitely makes more sense. I like your idea about um, the fact that they saved the some of the Hindenburg and that changed. Uh, that yeah, changed because the I mean, it wasn't an unknown cause, and so yeah. therefore, there was no reason to completely stop air travel the way they had with airships. So, yeah, I think it could, could have changed things. It definitely could have changed a little bit. Yeah. I mean, everything changes a little bit every time, so... Yeah, I mean... The more the they go on... About, yeah. yeah, the more they go back and the more differences there are, it can explain a lot of these continuity things within history. Mm-hmm. It makes it good for the show. That's exactly. Good to do that. uh, and at this moment, Lucy uh, looks at one of the stained glass window and she, she notices a symbol on it. Uh, oh. And she's like, I, I know that uh but she before she can figure like before she can really remember what it is uh ian spots uh von braun and so he asks lucy if she can lure him into a deserted hallway so they can snatch him yeah so i laughed here because as soon as i saw it i was like like that's a jesus fish (laughs) but i'm from like i'm from the bible belt that's where i was like that's where i grew up and so I was like, surely she would have known that. And then I was like, oh, maybe that was one of those weird regional things that other people don't just know what that is. Um, but yeah, I was kind of surprised she didn't know what it was at first. But then I was like, oh, it's probably one of those things where like, because of where I grew up, I knew what it was. But yeah, maybe the average person doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> I personally uh, did not know what it was yeah. and I'd never heard the term Jesus fish in my entire it's life until like right now ichthyus ichthyus i-c-h-t-h-y-s ichthyus but anyway yeah that's uh, I think that's uh the latin word for fish actually yeah yeah I think it is too but uh yeah they uh it was very big in like the revival scene of the 90s <laughs> and so most people had like a necklace or a bracelet or a shirt or something with a Jesus fish on it um um so yeah lucy goes downstairs and um 
she sees von Braun and she's she's still you know she uh i think she gets shaky a little bit at first and she takes like a a deep breath and she really pulls it together i love Mm -hmm. the change of her face like she goes from really petrified to like that seductive face like she takes a deep breath and she's she's into a character at this point and she's oh this makes some oh my gosh i just had the light bulb moment they gave ian that story because it's his sibling the same way it's her sibling so that she'd make the connection that she needs to be the she needs to fight for amy that's what she's fighting for Oh, then that that I sense. yeah, I did not, <laughs> I did not see that either. Light bulb. Yeah. So he's fighting for his brother. Gives so her she's the idea be... to fight for her sister. Yeah, that so that makes sense because I mean I don't think she would have connected it solely because of the family member with Wyatt and his grandpa, but you know, I mean... knowing he fights for his brother is gives her the idea of to fight for Amy. That's how she pulls it together in that moment. Yeah, that's that's definitely how she pulls it together. Like right then, uh, she probably would have eventually gotten there, but gotten that there. really triggers yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. That's yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so unfortunately, it's kind of a uh, lost on the moment because uh, she's got like she she takes two steps and Flynn just catches up to her and takes her away. So, um. So, yeah, they they talk for um a little bit, and that's when Lucy says, "So it's all about von Braun, and she doesn't understand why he doesn't just kill kill von Braun. Uh, but then, yeah, like, I think Wyatt brought that up earlier too. Um, when they were yeah. talking about uh who he was exactly, yeah, exactly. And he's like, well, why didn't you just kill him? And so that I think Lucy finally puts together here of, oh, you're gonna hand it over. You're gonna hand him over to the Soviets so that we lose the space race. Yeah, and in the, yeah, Flynn, Flynn kind of confirms it and says like, um, basically he doesn't just want to make it like bad. He just wants to make it even worse. Yeah. Um. And, uh, yeah, he, so Lucy says, well, we're going to do it anyway, because basically we got you. And that's when Ian points the, like, she basically tells him that Ian has a gun to his head. Gun to his back, yeah. Um, this is where, like, um, I feel like he, I, we, obviously we don't know, like, why he's doing this still, because he believes he's doing it for good. My idea here was like maybe he's trying to treat Rittenhouse almost like, you know, when you have like way too many things open on your computer at once and it crashes. Like maybe he's just trying to make so many events go wrong in history that Rittenhouse basically collapses under the pressure of it, of trying to fix all of it or something. That was my idea there. So I don't know. That was a new theory. I'm just going <laughs> to zip my mouth. Zip it. Throw away the key. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about that further down the line um uh but yeah uh, unfortunately Flynn was waiting for them uh because he's not even surprised that uh Ian's already here like they found the British spy so he know feel like he already knew that they were going to find Fleming 
uh, and he yeah, already or, has yeah. his little Nazi friend uh, holding a gun to Luce's head. So that's mm-hmm. fun. Um, oh, yeah. Also, he, um, Flynn, when Ian shows up, he's like, oh, I love your movies. And Fleming is just conf- like, looks at him like, what? What? Yeah. He like says, I love your movies. And then immediately exposes them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, Ian and Lucy are arrested and from the outside, Wade and Rufus just, uh, observe the, um, the whole scene. Uh, and I love that Wyatt just goes, they got Lucy, like Fleming, who cares? Uh, they yeah, got Lucy. That's what's me. important. <laughs> um, and Flynn just, uh, tells the the Nazi officers that there's more of them beyond the lookout, basically. Yeah, so. Yeah. He knows the others are somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. Yes, I went there. Um, <laughs> uh, Wyatt in, uh, full, goes in full, to full soldier mode and just wants to go blazing in. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I was like, okay, Blunt Hammer Wyatt's back, you know, just yep. <laughs> shoot her away in. It's like, there's two of you. Yeah. You you uh, have to be a better military tactician than this. <laughs> okay, it's uh I've said it I've said it this week a lot because it's happened a lot in a lot of things I've watched, but it's you know, there's a little bit of uh sexism here, but I do love uh, that trope where the, I mean, one of a side of a, of a ship, uh, it's most often the man, but uh, the woman, I mean, is in, da- in danger. And then the guy goes in like full feral mode uh, because she's in danger. Yeah, that's such a good trope. I'm a sucker for I this. I think and- there's actually, if I remember right, I might be remembering this whole scene wrong. But I remember right, there is a scene where in Firefly... Um, Mal and Wash are captured and Zoe comes in and they're like they give him the option of taking Mal or taking Wash and she's like I'm taking my husband like are you kidding yeah <laughs> like but you really think that was going to be like a big you know issue <laughs> and so yeah. I love that scene though I just can't remember how she gets there I feel like she goes in guns blazing at some point but I haven't watched that show in too. a long time yeah uh, but it's it's kind of like in fire you know 902 where um where uh matt like jumps out of the truck while it's still going yeah to like run down to the embo like oh, that's such a good one yeah but that, that just gets that, me there's that up, there is an upstead scene where kevin has to boost Haley into a warehouse and she goes and like finds jj had already saved himself but she goes to get him and she was like the only one in the warehouse at the time yeah but uh not knowing who else was in yeah a good like worried <laughs> boyfriend worried girlfriend like yeah. just it's so good it's a good trip gets me every time um but yeah but thank thank god for rufus in the end because like like why was as tactful and subtle as a, a rhino at this point um yeah, he was like, going in whether you know someone wanted him to or not yeah he, he would have made not. it probably like you know two feet two feet inside <laughs> and that's and how far shot. in the door yeah. he would have fallen <laughs> yeah pretty much um but yeah, so why uh, Rufus comes uh, comes up with another plan, which I don't think we know about it 
uh, right then. I think we, we learned about it just a little bit later. Um, and like we cut back to yeah, back inside. Says, yeah. Uh, where Ian and Lucy uh, are led into uh, an, uh, an office while Flynn kind of grabs Von Braun and tries to take him away. Uh, and that's when, yeah, that's when we go back outside and we see that Rufus rigged the rocket so it explodes on the lunch pad, taking out uh, a couple of Nazi officers and cre- creating a big chaos inside the castle. Yeah, and uh, away from Flynn at this point, I think. Yeah. Yeah, basically, we we don't even see him getting away. We just see Flynn, like, see sort Flynn of recovering yeah. from the, the shock. And, oh, boy, he's not there anymore. Um, but, yeah, so back in the office, um, you see Ian pulling a very Bond move. And the there's gun. a gun, <laughs> yeah, that comes out of his sleeve and he kills the guards. Um, and there's a little goof that I, I got from IMDb where if you look at his sleeve, when he shoots, it's like really, really large. Oh yeah, so you would have noticed it. Yeah, so like it's literally twice as big as the other one. And then as soon as that part is done, you can see that the the, the sleeve goes back to being like fitted to his arm. That's uh, once you notice it, it's kind of hilarious. Um, and yeah, at this point, two more guards uh come in, but uh. Like Ian doesn't have uh, any more bullets, but thankfully they're shot in the back by Wyatt and Rufus. Uh which like I'm not I'm not really getting the topography of this place, but I don't think it really matters. Um It's very uh, yeah, just kind of random. <laughs> hey, I would there's a castle in I think it's Heidelberg where they just kept adding on to it. Like there's a there's a column there from when the Romans were there, but it's just literally like patchwork castle. And oh, so like a uh, new part's really pretty. So it's kind of like that. Like maybe there's just like it's like Samurai's loft. As we need more room, we just add to it. <laughs> we just add to it. Where did Matt's room come from? We don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> maybe it does have like a priest hole that leads into that little hallway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So before they want to go out, they find Von Brun and like. How lucky they are they just go upstairs and literally right there, yeah. to him um <laughs> but they're spotted by flynn and the nazis and they go after them so they find they run somewhere and they find themselves trapped in a room that has no windows no other um way out really uh with like flynn and the nazis on the other side of the door uh very much the uh, all is lost moment of the episode. How will they yeah, ever get out of Wyatt it? Wyatt wants to barricade them in and shoot when they come through the door. And it's like... Again. <laughs> That's not a great plan. No, like there's, what, like three of you, if you count Rufus, that have guns. And I don't know, probably a dozen Nazis on the other side, if not more. Like, you guys are not gonna last long. You're pretty much done. Um, and since it looks like they're gonna die, Ian's like, uh, yeah, at this point, I don't care. I'm just gonna... Oh, I'm just gonna kill Von Braun and 
why it stops him though and they had like a short debate over what to do with him and um in the end there's that beautiful moment where he says i agree with him pointing to ian but i trust you to lucy yeah which i think is like we've been building to that over the last four episodes of them gaining each other's trust to the point where even if they disagree they know that one of like one of them is trying to do the best thing possible and especially lucy trying to preserve history you know Uh, um like they can kind of put aside that difference of understanding because of trust between them and it's Lyot, so I'm trying really, really hard not to squeal in the mic right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in the end, Lucy saves the day, because of course she does. And she sees the same symbol she saw in the stain window. Um, oh, it was also behind, uh, I forgot, it was behind Von Braun and Flynn when they were talking. There was a shield behind them with three fish on it. Oh, and so I was wondering if maybe there was like a path or something through the castle that they could take that like that that's makes how sense. They knew how to get out, and like yeah. with several, I mean, maybe several like yeah, uh, so like you follow it. entrances and exits, yeah, yeah, to there. Yeah, I thought that was interesting though. They kept they kind of Ooh. made sure you saw it again. Uh, I just forgot to mention it a second ago, but yeah, yeah, she sees that over the fireplace. And all we see at this point is. Finally, Flynn and the the Nazis um coming like coming into the room and nobody's there anymore and they're very 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 confused. Um, yeah, which I feel like Flynn might have like I feel like he would have had more of an idea of what to do there. I was kind of surprised he didn't like say like tear down the bookcases to look for a secret passage, but well, maybe we don't see work. it. Yeah. Yeah. And they went through the fireplace. So either way wouldn't but yeah. Yeah. I mean you can you can uh theorize that maybe he did after. Uh and they probably would like would have looked through the room uh just to to see if um you know if they were hiding somewhere because otherwise they'd just really disappear out of thin air yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, but yeah um little thing i found it's actually so the priest holes they were definitely a thing i'm not sure they were so much like secret passages as like priest holes were also just um little like hiding spots as in like yeah yeah just like a hole literally uh i feel like it's a similar idea maybe to the underground railroad in the south and to the north with uh slavery during or yeah. uh, since we're in uh, Nazi Germany, um, you know, like Anne Frank, the yeah, where the, they were the hiding, movie. it's the same, yeah. similar thing. Um, but if you if you talk about like priest holes because of um, Catholicism that being out loud, it was more a thing in England than it really was in yeah, Germany. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But a. That got them out, I believe so. that's how we get Maryland, if I remember correctly. You know, some of the states were formed um, mostly by people like coming to America. I think mostly it was Catholics who were running from pres- uh, like um, persecution that came to Maryland. If you look at it, uh, the Acadian in Canada were mm-hmm. um, Protestant people, I want to say. Because French was maybe Catholic, like mainly 
Catholic. Um, yeah. And the region where my parents are from, actually, the Poitou region, uh, a lot of people who weren't Catholic and were being persecuted uh, moved to Canada and became Acadian. And then when those moved uh, with like the, I forgot how it's called in English, but uh, some of those Acadian people moved uh, south to the U.S. and became the Cajun people. Acadian, yeah, Cajun, the, yeah. Around, yeah, around uh, Louisiana. There's so, a very, like, uh, like French Creole. Mm-hmm. Is, you can still have roots in French, but it's very, you wouldn't, yeah. I don't think you would understand it completely. No. But that's also how, like, I think the Huguenots, um, that's the one. I used to live in Charleston. Yeah. The Huguenots uh, have a church. Those are in the Charleston. people from the, the Poitou region. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, because they were running from persecution by the Catholic majority. Yep. Yeah. They have a pink church in Charleston. It's really cute. They have really pretty ironwork around it. <laughs> oh, cool. Charleston is called the Holy City, because, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, because it uh, it has so many church steeples when you're looking at it from the harbor. It's gorgeous, like really neat looking, but uh, definitely like the, churches. yeah, that area of the U.S. is definitely a place I'm going to go and visit for sure. 100%. Anybody go in October. This is my, this is my recommendation. Go in October. It is hot in South Carolina and it's also really, really humid. That's where they used to grow rice primarily and so don't go in the summer like just don't do it <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody should actually i mean i feel bad tourism board wants you to go in summer <laughs> but if you want to be comfortable go october to november um definitely noted because i cannot stand the humid it's been incredibly humid here and you will I'm over it I'm like over i'm it. used to the humidity and it's still really hot yeah um do you want to take over for the end? Because I've talked yeah. a lot. So, All right. So back at the house, uh, it's daylight now. So they've obviously, through the night, uh, kept Von Braun there. And they're talking about Von Braun and basically that he's going to get away with everything. Rufus kind of makes this comment that he looks happy. Yeah. And uh, Wyatt's like, well, yeah, he looks happy. I mean, he's going to get away with it and never be punished for it because the U.S. needs him. And so... Around that time, Rufus kind of has this, like, idea, basically. And he goes to speak with him. And at that point, Von Braun just, like, completely dismisses him. And he, he was about he was about to call him probably some kind of slur. He was yeah, like, why would I speak says, why with... Why would I uh... speak with... Yeah. And so, but he picks up the book and, you know, finishes out the equation that Von Braun was doing, basically to prove himself, which is kind of, like, the fact that he wouldn't even give him time is just, yeah, it's one of those things where like, he shouldn't have to prove himself to be able to gain somebody's attention. But in this moment, that's what he has to do to get Von, Von Braun's attention. And so he basically proves that like he's just as smart, if not smarter than Von Braun in very, very quick um, by finishing out that equation. Mm-hmm. And Von Braun is just, you know, gobsmacked that he was able to do that. And he asks him about... You know, and is he does he ever think about the people who were hurt by his rockets? And at this point, he also says tens of thousands of people were injured by them, which wasn't true. The V2 didn't uh injure that many people, but uh, there's a point comes probably referencing back to the blitz, yeah. Which the point comes across though that you know, he, yeah, um, 
he wants Von Braun's kind of opinion or like just understanding of like how somebody can create this thing that destroys other people and how they can like reconcile the fact that it's happening. Um, and Von Braun gives this very like, you know, he doesn't care if where they come down as long as they go up. That's his concern. And um, I did, there's a quote from, from Von Braun where he said his rockets landed on the wrong planet, basically um, in real life. And so um he always wanted not just to go to the moon, but to go to Mars. Yeah. And so his objective was getting a rocket that could go up mm-hmm. and out. Um, and he didn't, and in this case, you know, he tells Rufus, he didn't really care who, who supplies the money as long as he's able to complete his objective. And Rufus tells him he invented something that, you know, it's better than anything Von Braun ever did. And Von Braun's kind of like, really, you know, about that. But, um, he admits here that you know he can't stand the fact that it's killing people and that it's being used for this you know bastardized purpose of destroying things throughout time and so you know like i feel like that's not something we've completely seen from rufus before we've seen him have this guilt for recording lucy and wyatt and kind of betraying that trust but you know we hadn't i hadn't really thought about it before that he helped invent the time machine that yeah. they're using to go back in time um and anthony obviously in some form or fashion is able to reconcile what he's doing but rufus doesn't have that same motivation that we don't know what anthony's is either but rufus is it's re- it's really bothering him yeah and again it's that parallel between rufus who's like his conscience is really bothering him right now Whereas you see the other side kind of like with Flynn and Anthony last time, last episode, where the end justifies the mean. Yeah. Um, uh, and even this time, Flynn says something along the lines of for the greater good. And so, yeah. you know, basically he's, anything goes as long as it helps the, the causes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a interesting choice that they had to get Rufus to talk to him, but I think it works well. I liked it. I liked it. I think it made a it made it it made it make more sense that they were focusing on the V two rocket here mm-hmm. for him to um to do that, especially like I said, because also like he knows that von Braun's inventions were used to do bad things. But he also advocated for not killing him because he knows what he's going to do in the future, too, and how yeah. important it is for science and technology. And so I thought that was interesting there. Like, he knows things went bad, but uh, he still defended him in a way, too. But um, I lost my thought here. <laughs> it's your turn. I did that already. Oh. Uh, it'll come back to me like tomorrow um oh that's what it was there you go (laughs) i I mentioned the for for the greater good thing have you ever um watched the uh fantastic beasts and where to find them thing uh i i haven't i i saw it quickly once but i wasn't really paying attention to it yeah, so like the bad guy Grindelwald, his 
motto is for the greater good. Yeah. I, so oh, like, I remember that's from the books. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it's kind of like bastardized and in, in, like, it sounds right. Like you're trying to do something for the greater good, but Flynn and even in that, obviously they're doing it in a way that harms other people. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so back to the same question. Like, obviously is I, don't, it... I don't think that, uh, I don't know if that quote was out yet when Timeless was airing. Um, I mean, it's from the book, so probably yeah. because, but it's, I feel like it's a, it's a very common uh, philosophy question. Oh, yeah, it's like, definitely, it's yeah. like, it's like, what is it like, okay to do something for the greater good if it, it means harming the few? Exactly. That's, I'm pretty sure it's, I'm it's like the ethics class. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it definitely shows like it's not, it's not black and white, like yeah, at least not for there's a lot. Yeah, it's the same thing like, uh, that question of like, is it okay to do something bad yeah, for a good reason? That's... And obviously Flynn feels justified in his, whereas Lucy doesn't think what he's doing is justified. Yeah. But uh yeah, so um Moving to a different scene while that's happening is Lucy talking to Wyatt and kind of thanking him for his help. And he's like, well, you know, Flynn still has a nuke, so it didn't help that much. That's true, because um, at this point, like, the whole thing was Flynn is taking the nuke to World War Two to change the course of the war, and that hasn't happened, and they still have no idea what Flynn is doing with the nuke. So. Yeah. It's a good um, reminder because we like you know so much stuff happened at this point. We're like, oh right, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, we still have that objective, and which I think comes into play. Like I think they needed that reminder because in a few minutes with yeah uh, the ending of the episode, we needed kind of that reminder that he still has it. Um, but Ian joins them just to say goodbye, and Lucy has a great moment here where Ian's kind of flirting with her, and he's like, well, I might be in the U.S. soon, and will you be there? And she kind of leans close. Yeah, I love that when Lucy like reboots him uh Wyatt is delighted he's absolutely delighted um and then as uh Fleming goes to the car like there's another like bomb mention like never say never yeah. again and like yeah, Wyatt is so which proud was never of one of the, one of his novels, but yeah. Wyatt was very happy with himself. I know. Um, oh, and, and we again, missed the Skyfall reference, where he uh, oh, knew about priest holes right. because of Skyfall, uh, which true. I even there I was like, I've seen this. This is how they escape the house. This is how they get to the little like part where I guess I don't want to spoil it if nobody's seen it. There's a big at this point it's not really into one of those movies, <laughs> but they escape the house through a priest hole yeah but yeah like again Fleming looks super confused and I love like the the married oh, vibe yeah. at, at the like, end because like seriously seriously yeah. <laughs> I was like well I thought it was fun <laughs> like love his yeah, face he, through it he couldn't not but yeah so um they get back they kind of do like a quick cut to Mason Industries so we don't see them coming back but um one thing when they get out of the lifeboat I was looking at the clock at the back and it only shows like two hours. It's very blurry, so it's kind of hard to tell, but like two hours and like 30 something minutes. That doesn't really track. I mean, they've been out there for more than two and a half hours, I feel like. 
For me, it was more mm. like at least half a day or something like that. I wonder if they were coming back at 2 a.m. And it's military time. Yeah, but last time, was like 13, time. Right? Huh. So that'd be like 1 o'clock. Yes, but when uh, when we show them, like when we see them at the beginning uh, in the launch room, the clock says zero, 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 like it's not moving. Oh, so okay. it's it's not a clock. It's a, a timer or something like that. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Like this time doesn't really track. I feel like they were they were gone for more than two and a half hours. Yeah, definitely. God, it had to be <laughs> at the very least like four or five hours at, at the very, very least. It had to be longer than that because they went from the afternoon of one day into the morning of the next. Yeah, so more like they'd have to be there at least twelve hours. Is it? Oh, yeah, that's true. Because like by the time yeah, Von Braun, they give Von Braun over to the ally, it's morning again. So yeah, you're right. So this one doesn't really Mm -hmm. track. Well, I wonder if it's how long Flynn has been back, but that doesn't really make sense that he'd be back so early. Yeah, unless it took unless it took them a very long time to walk back to the lifeboat when they were stranded in the desert. I mean. Depend on what side of Vegas they were, but uh, I had to walk yeah. across the whole city. I don't yeah. know. Also, I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye on it. Yeah, we'll keep track of that. Uh, but yeah, so they're kind of debriefing and they're telling the story, and Mason's like, "Wait, but that's like the exact plot of this new uh, movie they have, Weapon, uh, of, weapon choice. of Choice." Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I thought that was uh, pretty <laughs> funny. That is so cool. So keeping track. And Wyatt, Lucy, is, yeah. Wyatt is excited. Yeah, Lucy's got a high school named after her. And then all three of them have a Bond movie. Exactly. <laughs> and um, whoa, hold on, hold on. Was Wyatt injured during this whole episode? No, he was did he not. Make it, did he make he it was the not. whole episode? <laughs> right. We did not add to the Wyatt injury count. <laughs> we did not. Um, but yeah so Wyatt is excited about this and then Rufus is laughing when he reads the synopsis and he's like basically uh what do you say Lucy slept with Bond in that episode or in that movie 100 <laughs> Wyatt, percent Wyatt was like Rah. so Lucy is the uh, Lucy original turns Bond to him, girl yeah, yeah Lucy kind of turns to him and is like really that's her really <laughs> yeah Lucy's yeah. the Bond girl but um but yeah, so they uh, cut over to Flynn after that. And, um, oh, sorry. They also talked to Agent Christopher before then. And they're kind of confused on why Flynn didn't use the nuke. And Mason and Rufus kind of start theorizing between themselves. And they're like, oh, it can't be that. There was just a theory. Uh, but obviously they had some kind of idea. And so we cut to Anthony. And he's got the uh, screen canister of nuclear yeah. doom. In um in his hands and he plugs it into the mothership. But um, so where was Anthony through that entire episode? So obviously he built that battery uh at at somewhere here, right? Um, but he's also their only pilot, so he was in the past in World War Two Germany with them. So what he did just obviously couldn't bring the plutonium core there. So I assumed he stuck with the mothership with the. Because that, that thing stabilized it, so he yeah, could travel yeah, yeah. with it. Oh, that's and so true. so I just assumed he stayed with the mothership. And, like, he was doing his thing uh, at this point, yeah, during the... 
while they were having fun with the Nazis, partying with the Nazis, he just built the battery. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he was just hanging out with the nuke in the life or in the mothership. That's probably it's probably better outfit. I bet they have like bunks in there or something. That's it, like it's big. They could have like a little bunk thing sleep in it. Um, but anyway, so we see him basically he built this battery that he plugs in and it's gonna last three hundred years. So Gia's excellent, you know, detective skills of, of energy have become completely useless because now this battery is going to power the mothership for 300 years um but also so it's um it's a good like they're kind of back at the start because they had that victory where um you know now they can uh locate roughly where flynn is and then more accurately when he's charging but then it's back to nothing because not only can they not do that anymore, but Flynn can just jump as often as he wants, whenever he wants. Whereas uh, yeah, they have, have to recharge. To, exactly. They have to recharge the lifeboat every time. So they're back to the start. Yeah. Yeah. So it completely like makes it sets them behind and it also makes it useless for them to be able to track it. Um, back at Mason Industries, Rufus is talking to Mason about the recordings, and uh, yeah, so like, you know, Rufus here, he's that idea of trust again, where he's basically like, they trust me, I trust them, I'm risking my life for them, I don't want to do this anymore, and Mason says he's in deep with these written house people, so it, it really makes me think of like, what is he in deep for? Now, Dev, like, we obviously don't know how he got the lifeboat or the mothership, the time travel idea or anything like that. And so I wonder, like my theory was maybe that something possibly to do with time travel and the ability to build a time machine came from Rittenhouse. Either they have, like, I want to know what they have on him because obviously there's something they have um, and whatever it is, but um, they obviously, we see in the next scene that it's, that he's willing to. Yeah, so that's one time where I'm going to stay quiet again. Um, but but yeah. Yeah, so Lucy then is where we cut to. And she's talking to Agent Christopher. And she gives her a very blunt, like, she's in, but there are some stipulations. And um, she needs to quit her job, basically. Go on sabbatical. Because otherwise, like... That's the, um, we say, like you see in other shows too, like Buffy's one that comes to mind of like, there's a character in season five. Yeah. Season five where she is a hell God, but she also inhabits the body of just like a normal guy. And that normal guy like disappears from work for two weeks. And I feel like that's the same thing here where like, she just has to yeah. like leave and disappears for like however long they're gone. And so that's not going to help her get tenure. Yeah, she's basically going to, um, she's going to be a historical consultant for Mason Industries, which is going to explain why she suddenly leaves at 3 a.m. or whatever. And then also, they're going to figure out how to get her sister back. That's the plan. That's how she's going to be in. Otherwise, like, yeah. And that made me think of like, is this how the diary starts of like, they start tracking everything, trying to figure out how to get Amy back to Lucy. And this is how Rittenhouse starts. 
So is this like the launch for Rittenhouse or is this the launch for Flynn? Like, is this the origin story? Is this the moment she can't say anything? So she's being absolutely silent, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't but know. Yeah, so I felt like this was a, a definite origin moment. But um, um, yeah. So what I do know that, is is that okay. for the first time you see Lucy really standing up for herself. Yeah, she's she's very adamant in this moment. She's got that same resolve that we see her kind of get in the castle yeah. before Flynn takes her by the arm. And um, I I love that she she mentioned like someone told me figure out who's you're fighting for. Listen, there's always something to say when they reuse each other's word, and I love that. Yeah, uh, it was it was really good. It was um, really good. And also in in kind of like the same way as Von Braun in a way she knows. She knows she's uh, necessary to the project. So saying like, she's going to walk. Yeah. Like who else are they like, going to get? Like, exactly. She obviously knows because of Flynn, there's something to do with her. She has, she's there for a reason. Yep. Even if Christopher doesn't know it, she knows Rittenhouse wants her there for a reason. Mm-hmm. or something like, to that effect yeah obviously she wants to protect history because i mean that's how denise got her interest like in the pilot uh but now like there's like so she had that purpose of protecting history but she's got like a deeper purpose now and it's getting yeah. amy back yeah and so um after that scene we cut to rufus driving home and his car just malfunctions and stops which is you know never good that it is such like a jarring scene. Yeah, like they can take over remotely a a car that they're not. That, in that is, <laughs> listen, I, I've been watching Criminal Minds, uh, like the entire yeah. series, and this is like a, a like the beginning of an episode of Criminal Minds. That's how yeah, it would where start. it's like something goes wrong. It's like super light music, and we're having fun. All of a sudden, like peach black, all quiet. It's and like a scary dude, scary and house yeah, dude comes like, in. Yeah, and not even like, it's not so much scary as just like really fucking creepy. Oh, very creepy. Like, yeah, you're right. It's not scary and house dude. It's creepy written house dude. Yeah, where he's like, you know, he walks up to him and you like he is like. I feel like Rufus would be on edge even if he doesn't say Rufus mm. and like call him by name. Yeah, because like you but, see him uh, coming and he, he like. He seems he's too casual about it. Like, oh, yeah, like you can tell. <laughs> yeah, he should be friendly, but there's just something like there's this vibe, and you something's not quite right. Uh, yeah, and so he uh gets out and he basically starts threatening him, and he really he threatens his family more than anything. And he said, you know, he's safe because of it. Rufus is safe because of it, and Rufus's family is safe. And that's where Rufus is like oh like i'm not gonna be able to get out of this so, like yeah. basically he has to cooperate um and that's where the episode ends but that's like yeah that end scene is like your blood runs cold yeah because it's can, not I mean, even like a direct threat it's just he talks about well i'm sure you would like your family i'm sure your family is doing okay you wouldn't like them to still be okay right yeah it's very yeah, pointed no it's uh yeah, it's a roundabout way of saying yeah. they're gonna do something if he doesn't cooperate. Yeah. It's just uh And like you say, just just the fact that they can take over the car remotely. Mm-hmm. It's chilling. Yeah. 
uh but yeah that's what we end up so yeah what did you think of the episode as a whole I really liked this one. I did. Even with the historical inaccuracies that had me yelling at the TV a few times. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I really liked it overall. I liked it a lot better than the last episode. And like I said, I didn't like hate the last episode or anything, mm-hmm. but it definitely will never be like my favorite like go-to episode or anything yeah. like that. But I think I could see watching this one several times over. Oh, this is, this is one of my go-to. I think up to now, I mean, we're only four episodes in, but that's my favorite like up to here. Yeah. Um, it's like it's really well paced just everything kind of happens like to, 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 you know in a, yeah. a good beat it's also really fun like all the bomb yeah, references it's really fun um but yeah it's it's i love uh sean maguire as ian fleming i think he he does a wonderful job uh i love um i love this side of wyatt that's like very like fun. We saw Lucy like fangirling over uh, Lincoln, over even Judith Campbell. Uh, but like for the first time, we see Wyatt like very like a lot lighter and like giddy yeah. and having his moment. Which I, yeah, I feel like that's a very like they already kind of established that whenever he first meets Mason, he says, "Oh, one of my buddies has one of your cars." You know, so like he has that, you know, cool cars thing going like, yeah, he likes just the the fun of it, the fun things like that. Yeah. But yeah, I like the episode. And then I gave you several of my theories throughout the yeah. whole thing. Uh, I don't remember all of them. I had a lot this episode because I like, you know, trying to piece out who Rittenhouse like is and how they the journal. Uh, yeah, it was the other. Yeah. No, the, jur- you- the journal being set off from here or Rittenhouse or Flynn. All of them, like coming around because of that moment right there where she's trying to save Amy, and I guess maybe like if we wanted to get like I can see where it'd be really neat for it all to be the same thing basically. Or Rittenhouse is one way somebody tries to get Amy back, or as Flynn is another way that they're trying to prevent what Rittenhouse is doing to get Amy back, but also get Amy back the journalist to get I feel like it's all in some way connected back to Lucy I could be wrong <laughs> we'll see but you but anyway. definitely have some interesting theories and some might be right some might be wrong I don't know I can't yeah. see a thing oh and my other one was that uh Rittenhouse made her a wreck so that she'd stick with history because otherwise oh uh, yeah she wouldn't be able to consult on the time time machine thing that's I'm true yeah. that's true um yeah that's about it so um our question for you this week uh is a much more open question a lot uh lighter and easier than last week um (laughs) so tell us if you could meet anyone from history who would you like to go back and meet let us know um yeah let us know our answers next episode too (laughs) exactly we we need to think about it oh we Definitely, we'll ask um, Kim and Logan. Logan and Kim. Oh, yeah. We need yeah. to tell everybody now that they're coming on our pod. Exactly. We have a very... Uh, I'm so excited about next episode because not only it's the Alamo, and for those of you who've watched it, you know it's a very, very, very good episode. Um, and not only we're going to talk about the Alamo, but we will have 
our friend Logan and Kim from Ladies Night uh, to talk about it with us. And uh, in case that wasn't clear, I think I've mentioned it several times. Logan is the one who got me to watch Timeless. So she's the one who created that monster. Uh, uh, so yeah, if you have any thoughts about the Alamo and come on, I'm sure you guys have some, uh, you can email us your thoughts at backintheliveboatpod at gmail.com. Um, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BIT Lifeboat on Twitter, and we're at Back in Lifeboat on Instagram. Uh, maybe we'll make a Threads account at some point because apparently that's it starting. Seems like the new thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Rate and resca- uh, subscribe on po- uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon, Podbean, wherever you listen. And it helps us grow the show. We actually got our first review on Apple. So thank Yay. you to the listener who uh gave us our review uh we have hopefully fixed the audio a little bit that was uh, something that i noted yeah. there uh but if you like timeless and know anybody else who watches it spread the word Let them know and definitely here. if you have things you want to you want us to to talk about and things you you'd like us to to discuss let us know yeah, or even uh, TV suggestions, considering like <laughs> how many times we talk about other shows that we watch during Oh the my episode. God, yes. Uh, we'd love to hear from you what y'all are watching. So uh, back in the lifebook pod at gmail.com is our email. Uh, send us your thoughts, ideas. And then don't forget to answer our question for the episode, which is which historical figure you'd like to meet. And that will be on Twitter and Instagram. And then also shout out to our friend Manny, who's editing has to listen to our rambles i know <laughs> we're very and grateful for him the many cuts thank you many we owe you big time um but yeah that's it for us this time see you next uh yeah. for a very special episode bye bye